All right, welcome to the 15th episode of It's Server Time. And today, I know Thorin has a drink sponsor. No one else on the pod is sponsored by Topo Chico, but they give me a lot of free shit. So, and I told them I would I would talk about them on my next video. So, uh, yeah, crack open Topo Chico and enjoy the uh, refreshing taste of carbonated mineral water. So, if it wasn't a- for recent news, you would have had to redo this opening because of Red Bull. Wait, what happened with Red Bull? No, because I'm saying no, I'm not recent really news. Oh, oh, right. For C9 thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why we can talk about it. That's why we can do yeah. it now. Now I can talk about the drinks. The, these guys give me like cases and it's pretty sick. Honestly, if you guys that don't drink Topo Chico, you need to start drinking it. They're trying to get in the esports space because I don't know. I guess it's a market they haven't conquered yet. Whatever. Okay. So this podcast is just a little bit different than normal because we had a guest lined up. Um, I'm not going to call him out um, on his because he's playing right now with his mixed brazilian team and uh <laughs> i'm not gonna say his name <laughs> i'm not gonna say his name and we've got pronogo and pronogo actually uh i usually do a joke a little gag where i where i kind of roast the guest just yeah. a little bit where i say like something they've done but it's really small time or early in their career but pronogo is still pretty small so i i, I feel like i just i'm kind of mean it's kind of bullying if i just say something like you did edc uh the edc casting and it's like but that's kind of what you've done. But I guess now that's, that's it. I mean, yeah, that would just be it. Like, it's also April Fool's on the day of recording this, so you, you could have gone any. I'm actually surprised you didn't say like, yeah, he's just casted nothing, and that's what he's known for. He's best known for <laughs> casting nothing. Yeah, even that's even too rude. Um, yeah, fair enough. Actually, since April Fool's, he's known for being mentioned in Richard Lewis's recent article on casting. True. Yeah, yes. there you go. He's known by people in the StarCraft mapping community, maybe. Yeah, that's, okay, uh, okay. That is actually <laughs> true, yeah. You, that's you probably actually how you might be best known. I, well, maybe your YouTube people know you more from CS now. But Yeah, yeah. All right. Either way, we've got Pranogo as a guest. He's slotting in here. Normally the guy behind all of our, our faces in that he's usually the producer on this show. Uh, he was the producer also of the Peaker's Advantage one, which is how uh, we got introduced to Pernogo, or I did at least. Um, you just you had a pretty outstanding interview, I would say, compared to the other people. No, no hate to any of them, but you clearly showed a level of passion and just smarts and wits that we definitely. What was your? Uh, so, what was your reason for choosing me for the show? Um, I've met I met you in person. Uh, I think oh, I, that's, that's kind of yeah. That. So I met you in person, <laughs> and that's kind of why. And uh, you know, I felt like you had some you had some good thoughts about the game. So. You wanted to get I you remember on. the class. Yeah, that's right. The classic. <laughs> Who are you, the Brian? Yes, I remember yeah. the classic note. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that is a historical moment. Wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Wait. Break. Break this one down for everybody else. You want me what? to break it down? Yeah. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, we were at ESL New York. Ryan's sitting there talking to someone. It's before the matches start. Yeah, and it's like it's like Ryan, Mousetake, Note, and then me and Brian, I think you came. I out. think like Ryan Fairchild or something as well. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah there's someone else. And, no, Lord? Brian wasn't there yet. It was just you guys. And I walked up because that was the first time I think I was meeting Ryan. And I was like, yo, like it started introducing myself to everybody. And we're all talking, and fucking Brian walks up, and I don't know what his face looks like because I've never met him before. He expects me to somehow recognize him <laughs> off of his Twitter face. So he walks up. He's like, oh, hey, Note. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And his face just like drops. So... And then he said who he was. And you said, no, but who are you, though? Yeah. And he was like, no, no, he didn't say who he was. He's like, you don't know who I am? I was like, no, who are you? And he says, I'm Brian. 
Jeez. And he's never forgiven me for that. Yeah. Probably never will. He deserves about it. it every day. It's yeah. true. I agree. He did that keeps him up it. at night, actually. <laughs> Probably. He's DMing silently while just thinking about it. Yep. Didn't he okay. actually get an HLTV page recently? Or is that also? He did. A- yes. He did. Yeah, surely get, surely get somebody was able to remove that after. after <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he can't remove it. Yeah. But, he's, uh, let's, he, just he say, it. let's just say he has a better HLTV rating than a lot of uh, Premier players right now. He's uh he has a 1.06 rating um actually cuz he got trade basically he played one round and he got traded which gives you a 1.06 <laughs> which is really high to just get traded I would say like why aren't why isn't Taco rated higher than for like his whole career well, don't I wish okay. getting traded. I wish I could remove like the two qualifier matches I have for my HLC profile so that like I would only have the space station one and I'd have like a 1.30 rating I w- that nice. yes and I wish I didn't have mine when I was playing like ESCA main and getting deep into like closed qualifiers because every time I just got owned by someone like Hiko or Wrath or something like that. Like Kadian beat me like I don't know how many times like I was losing to so many pro teams when I was just a noob and I was like, I'm going to play a qualifier for fun because it'll get me experience and my rating just tank because of it. I mean, at least we haven't reached the doomsday scenario where Ryan at Rush B Media also has an HLTV profile. Oh, Wait, it's coming. Yeah, I, I wanted Ryan. I wanted Ryan to go in before Brian, to be honest. That would have just been the ultimate. Yeah, like I think Brian would have just left the scene. <laughs> you just have to, you just have to walk away. Okay, all right. Let's get into some of the meat and potatoes of uh, this show. We've got a couple of tournaments that have concluded pretty recently. Uh, actually, not not quite. We've got we've got two to talk about though. One, uh, let's let's just start with pro league group stage. So obviously, this tournament is still going on. The playoffs are coming. We'll get to our predictions later in terms of who's going to do what in the playoffs, but. I guess I'll just go kind of round table here. Uh, Mix, I think you probably focused a lot on Group C. So uh, let's let's get into some of the teams that you saw there. We got Gambit on top, Furia and Navi moving to the playoffs. I guess what what do you see? What do you see from those teams? Or anything really striking about their their play that um, you want to you want to remark on? Um, I'm not sure. The Furia game was really weird because we just absolutely fucking obliterated them. Um, that was <laughs> weirdest game I, I had. We had with that lineup. Um, Gambit and Navi. Navi definitely wasn't feeling like top one for sure. Um, like they came out, we almost. I mean, we almost two owed them. Like we almost. Like the the thing that like they kind of got away with. That I think the reason, like one of the reasons that, like I think we would have two owed them if not for the fact that they brought in Bit on Overpass, and so mm-hmm. they kind of like they changed up their game a lot. I mean, obviously you could have still lost in an alternate scenario, but. The thing we had prepared for was, or at least I prepared for, was uh, Navi playing with Flamey still in Overpass. So that meant Boomich was like the A rifle guy, and Flamey and Perfecto were like the B players, and then Electronic was the rotate. And mm-hmm. then with Bit coming in, they changed it to like Bit playing A was simple, and then instead Boomich was playing short B again, which like really changed like the entire dynamic of their CT side, which made it kind of tough to play against. I feel like Boomich is a natural short B player. Just he yeah. always like people that play that spot. I mean, I think Stewie also just kind of constantly pressing for information. Yeah, I love yeah, I love short players that are comfortable with like just constantly like pressing for info, pushing it mid round when they need to. Like yeah, having info and short and taking it a lot is like so important. That's something yeah. we were we were struggling with a lot when we had Floppy and Zeppa playing it was because they weren't too comfortable either with the team yet. Like they. They were hesitant to ever like do anything towards short, so we were just like, you'll see teams are just like super static on on B. And yeah, 
it was like it's like super bad when you know you can just have short for free the entire half yeah exactly I, I think that that generally makes an overpass team just so much scarier i think uh definitely buster does it for vp i think also if i'm not mistaken and he'll just like i mean basically all these guys boomich stewie buster will just walk into short late round and just get take that water control because i think some people want to just you know use utility to flush out the crim spot the cut little cubby and then they want to throw a flash in and it's like you you honestly can walk into that like a lot, probably 70% of rounds of CT, you can just walk into short. So um, people that take advantage of it, give their team a huge edge. I mean, did any other, I guess, did any other teams in your group surprise you? I think you guys, you guys won, everybody beat team one, but then you guys lost to MIBR. Uh, how's that team feeling for you? Um, I mean, to be honest, watching them and prepping for them, I wasn't really impressed at all. Um, like, especially if like their macro stuff and their tactics and stuff, it felt very... One dimensional, it was it was pretty easy to read. I think losing that match came down just to more just the pure stress of the match rather than like MIBR doing anything different or or special or playing really super well. Yeah. Okay. Uh I got a go. quick Did question you... about the Navi angle because we've seen like Flamey's coming under some pretty heavy criticism in general at this stage in his career. Do you think that when they subbed in bit, that was actually a game changer for them respond like despite the fact that obviously their CT setup changes up and it becomes a lot harder to anti-strat? Do you think that they just played as a better team with bit? Like is this the start, do you guys think, of bit just replacing Flamey whole cloth? Uh, I think it could be, yeah, because also, like, yeah. yeah, it changes, like, dynamic of the spots, but, like, it just overall changes, like, the entire dynamic of the team when you put in, when you put in bit, and, like, because Boomich is such, like, an aggressive player that, like, if he's, like, changing the spots, if he, like, if he, like, Boomich alone changing spots is gonna, like, change the entire dynamic of, like, whatever side Navi's playing. Yeah. I just feel like this is sort of what was inevitable with the whole six-man thing, like, there's no way teams are gonna employ six-man rosters, really. Right sustainably only for one or two maps like surely you're going to use it to basically integrate a new player into your roster over time which is what navi looked to be doing with bit also just like, like yeah come on it's it's definitely time for flamey to go i'm sorry the man like i love i think in one of these matches he got like a three or a four K somewhere and the Reddit post that had the clip in it was titled like Flamey gets a three K to extend his contract by six months. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, man. The, the Henry G. How long line. has he been on he does something. Like, Is it like five years? Really damn long. Uh, it's, 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 it's like it's like it's like at least five years, I'm six, pretty sure. Six years. It's yeah, approaching six years. It's actually 20. approaching six years in yeah. nine days. That's Dude, he's crazy. been on this team for a long fucking time, like like eventually shit just like changes and like you know maybe he'll go to a different team and he'll play really fucking good again like you know hobbit struggled for a while and then was kind of like floating around came back to gamut's fucking dominating right so i mean i don't yeah. even think it's like a bad thing for flamey if he has to leave navi or gets no it's just clearly navi, like, this isn't the team yeah. for him at this point right yeah. that's what it feels like yeah. to me is that anytime he yeah. tries to get aggressive he seems to get punished for it which is obviously not the case with a lot of other players and then it's almost like conditioning you eventually like you just stop trying for those picks on ct yeah. side which seems to be the meta in the online era try to get any advantage you can right yeah always take the fight on your own terms and the thing is with with the way flamey goes for picks it's not like uh, I mean, I think the most obvious aggressive players in pro league were Art and Yakinder for sure. sure. And you know, when they're doing things, it's it's kind of like when they're going for picks, they're either going, they're like really going for a kill, but they're also providing their team a lot of info. When Flamey goes for something aggressive, it kind of just feels like he just wants to push his spot. 
Uh, like right. it's, it doesn't seem as calculated in terms of their grand scheme of their their game plan. Whereas for Art, Yakinder, uh, even a Liege or like I guess uh, Mirror on Spirit, people like that. I feel like when I see them do it, it's like this is providing some value that the other people on the team are going to be able to use to elevate their game just from the info. And with Flamey, it's just like he's just yeah. he's just walk pushing ramp. Okay, he's yeah, and I think know, that's where Flamey has kind of like lost touch with like yeah. as like the lineups changed over time. Is that like he has Boomich, his IGL now, like obviously like has a lot of input. Simple, of course, I almost talks as much as Boomich does. Yeah. And then I, I assume Electronic like has a decent amount of input in terms of like the things he wants to do. And then like when you already have like three people doing that, it makes it a lot tougher for someone like Flamey to like make that space. That's like like why Perfecto is such a good player for them at the moment, and why I think Bit will be like a much better fit for Navi at the moment than than Flamey is having like a young player that literally just has like insane aim that you just like you know you just fucking plop somewhere and he's you know he's just like playing his own game. Is he? I haven't so I haven't actually looked deep enough at a Navi demo to like try to follow Bit's decision making. Do you guys think it's just smarter than Flamey overall, or just more static, which is more stable? Uh, at the moment, from what I've seen, I think it's just more static a bit. Like he's mm-hmm. less less like going for like aggressive shit stuff like that um i mean we'll see how it changes like because i've only really seen him on that one map on overpass and inferno so i just feel like he makes less like like he makes overall less poor decisions over the course of the map than flamey does like flamey as you said like he'll re-aggress randomly just because he feels like it and (laughs) when you're doing that and you're walking into like i don't know astralis sitting there until 30 seconds just holding an angle because they know that he's gonna do it like, obviously, you're going to get picked when you're walking into those angles. So when you have Bit sitting there and he's like, he might not be pushing because he is unfamiliar with playing at the level and he just doesn't know, like, what is a good play, what isn't yet. But I mean, like, it's working for them. He doesn't have to be one of those people that's pushing up when you have Simple, like, having really good reads on the game. You just need to live, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. the, the way Simple is playing on CT sides right now is actually absolutely ridiculous. Like mm-hmm, he yes. is, he is dropping thirty kills almost on CT side alone, consistently. It's kind of crazy. And when he's doing that and he's rotating around with the op, like as long as you live in your position, you're providing such a good anchor for him to come in and help you. But when you walk into like ramp and you just die, kind of fucked. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, I. I still just I watch these Navi T sides and like you, you like you just mentioned, I mean, the CT sides actually I'm pretty I'm pretty OK with Navi's CT sides, but their T sides are just sometimes just dreadful. Uh, I think I'm trying to look at, I have some notes here. Uh, like they don't seem like simplified enough. It seems like yeah. a lot going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I wrote. I wrote there's too many moving parts in some of these rounds. It's just like, like, okay, one round on Mirage I watched, they sent out, I think, Electronic with some weird double smoke uh, to get him out van. And then he just kind of sat there for a long time. And you would think that in a, in a play like this, that like the other team, Furio, would rotate over and like, okay, wait, we got to get this guy out of here. But Furio were just like, wait a second, we know it's one guy. Like, what? What are you guys trying to do? And then and then Navi's just slowly walking mid and ramp or something like that, trying to pinch A. And Furio's like, guys, this is just really obvious. Like, we know what you're doing. It's just one guy B. Like, we can handle that. We don't need to worry. And yeah, I... that, that strat is also directly out of Furio's book, by the way. Like, Art came up with that specific strat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're stealing Furio's shots and trying to run them against them. <laughs> yeah, like, I respect What that. do you expect? I respect yeah. 
I remember preparing for Navi on train and like trains usually a map that I'm like not as good at prepping for. It can be a bit hard for me to read sometimes, like what it seems doing. But like I read Navi and I literally like I literally had tells like to know exactly what they were doing because they only did like inner pop, like various inner rushes, and I had a tell from whenever they were doing that. They had like or they would just like fly out T main and like Perfecto would just like come out T red and just fight instantly and they would just brawl and like literally those rounds they literally just get Perfecto out like back T red. Yeah. And then there's no like plan. Like they're not like executing. They're all just like slowly going out and just like fighting outside and then just like slowly like kind of like fighting and taking up to the site. Like it, it was so weird. Such a weird way to play. I've I've noticed a couple teams do stuff somewhat similar to that where they usually throw what the E box sandwich smokes and then they just send a player out or two. And it's not there's not always a great plan around it. They're just like, this will disrupt the opposing team, so we're just going to do it. And I, I wouldn't doubt that, Navi, you're just doing it just to try to create a situation that they think they can manipulate. But uh, I think it's working to varying effects, I'll say that. So, yeah. yeah. It's something that, like, if they're getting momentum with it and the other team isn't really sure how to stop it, like, a team can just brawl you. And if, like, you're not having success, there's not really anything you can, like, really do to, like, drastically change your game plan you know you're already sending four outside like every single round most likely so like if you have like a no if like you know how you want to pressure it, you know how you want to like shut it down and like that's not working for navi it's probably going to go really bad for them but like mm -hmm. if you're just losing your fights and they're just like they're just like winning the fight super easily or like you're just not really doing a good job at pressuring them it, they probably are just going to like steamroll you yeah uh pernogo any any teams that caught your eye at pro league uh for good or for bad well, I mean, this might be where we just turn the tables and talk to Mix about Cloud9 in general. Okay. Uh, because th that was the main team that I ended up catching the games just fortuitously, perhaps, because that was when I was not in the middle of casting or doing any of my other stuff. That was when I turned on ESL. That was, Those are the games that were live. And, you know, Mix, you talked earlier about the fact that uh, the pressure of the game against MIBR is what you, you think kind of got you. And since I am happened to be on the show this time, I can ask you directly. One of the things I floated on an episode of Elo Heaven was whether or not the the Henry G style of, of getting everybody hyped up about the team and get, getting all eyes on on deck, so to speak, whether or not that had a very destructive effect on the team um, where people some people say, well, it's he's just doing his job and getting the, the hype people there right, and getting people interested in the project. But it does seem like there have been issues with with regards to morale perhaps just uh, keeping everybody somewhat focused about the game here and now and not worried too much about the stakes that might be at play so d did you have any thoughts on that in general and, and maybe in retrospect even though obviously it hasn't been too long since the announcement that c9's pausing their project do you think that this was almost inevitable when the results didn't immediately come in or, or how do you feel about in general uh, the henry g stuff yeah like it felt like like as soon as like you play the first match or like the first event, and you don't really get a good result. It can it's so easily just teams roll from there. And I don't think it's just the Henry G stuff. It's like it's a combination of like a lot of things. It's like just the overall history and popularity of Cloud Nine. Um, you know, like winning the major, like all the way back to like the Shroud days. Like it kind of you know the like the pressure on C9 even like kind of stems from those days. So like you have that. You have like the Henry G hype. You have like Henry G releasing the salaries. You have um. You have the fact that like we couldn't actually boot camp at all. We had like one like three day boot camp or something before people had to go back home, and so you don't have any of the teams together. They're all just like playing separately, which makes it hard to like create like a good environment. And so it just creates an environment where like yeah, every game just felt terrible. Like I remember I like I saw a Reddit thread like someone like posted like the clip of like Cloud Nine after beating Furia, and like <laughs> they noticed that like they said like I've literally never seen this team look happy. Or like, <laughs> no, or like, or they're like, they're like, 
like some there's like another comment like dude every time I, I like watch this team play they just look so fucking stressed out and mm. it's like and i was like i actually agree with that i was like they look so stressed out all the time like they're never gonna get like results if you know you're just playing like that like there's so much pressure on your on yourself was there some sort of inkling that this is the that, that this event if you guys don't get a good placement was like was it or was it was this event even the reason like do you have any idea what was going on in upper management um that you, that you want to no, talk about, I didn't, obviously so yeah i mean i didn't expect it but like once it happened i can't say i was like super surprised by it especially mm. because it still was looking bad for how we were going to get a boot camp going or get people to right, America yeah. and stuff i'm curious why if they were so willing to pull the plug after boy uh, how long was this eight months or so if or was it uh, yeah whatever i'll just say eight months uh Something like six like, months six okay months. like six six months yeah. or so uh why are they signing three-year contracts what what is yeah that's a bit like, puzzling i'm i'm just curious from any like is there any argument for for why why don't they just keep them on payroll they already have the contract is it is it the benching clause makes it so they have to they pay less or something wait what do you mean so like if they're already all signed for three year contracts, why don't they just write it out? Because like, what are they providing? What do you? What is Cloud Nine at the, after a while providing that isn't already guaranteed in the contract as is? Um, I'm not sure. I'm a little bit confused by the question. Still, like, okay, like, I mean, um, I feel like I feel like three years is just like the standard, especially for orgs like C9 at the moment. So what I'm just saying, like, why is it a standard? duration when they pulled the plug after six months like where did those other two and a half years go on their contracts oh well i mean from the knowledge they're, they're still just benched i'm pretty sure so so they basically are saving money by paying the bench like yeah amount. i think i th i from, from what i have seen and even just read like based on what jack told like ryan and stuff what it seems like is like they are benching like everyone for now and then yeah. it seems like they do want to like try to sell everyone somewhere uh and probably not probably maybe like more for like reduced prices than like what their normal buyout would be and mm -hmm. like just kind of like get a restart on the project essentially uh later down the line okay uh i know you had some thoughts about where maybe cloud9 could move their csgo ventures do you want to do you want to touch on that um yeah i mean i've thrown out these suggestions down there of like uh i mean i even threw this out like months ago of just seeing like all the other teams doing like academy teams and stuff like I guess my main idea was just like seeing how like Gambit has done the Gambit youngsters thing. And like, even after they got rid of like their main team, right. The other team was still called like Gambit youngsters. And I think that aspect of it really helped for, uh, really helped for like letting that team just like grow by itself and not like having those expectations that I might even put on themselves for like, Oh, we got to live up to this fucking like major winning team. Right. Um, like my idea, essentially, maybe what I think C9 should do is just try to do something like that. Like try if they come back into the scene, like maybe don't go in with like such a huge hype team. Maybe go in with like a team that you got to kind of develop a little bit and like separate them a little bit from like the the normal, like the main Cloud9 name, you know, like try to try to like separate it from like the, the history a little bit, you know, kind of temper the expectations. Yeah. They have like Cloud9 Blue and Cloud9 White in Valorant, so I don't yeah. know why they wouldn't yeah. run like some form of an academy team, especially now. Like before, when they had Cloud9 playing in North America, I could understand not having an academy team because there could be like conflict of interest issues mm -hmm. in terms of the teams playing in the same region. But now, if they're going to have their main team playing out of Europe, you might as well have some form of an academy team in North America that you can actually like help develop as well. 
Because the other issue is that because in North America the yeah. primary like, league, I think one of the I, sorry, but I think one of the big thing, one of the big reasons was just that like so like you get like an academy team right, you're like kind of build it up and like say they like qualify for like a dream hack or something. It's kind of shit that like they qualify for that dream hack, and if like the main team's already there, then like you can't fucking go, you know, like you can't. Yeah, exactly. There's so, there's so many events that you like can't attend because of like the the whole conflict of interest thing, and that's something that I actually wish that like uh, whoever whoever that rule is from, I think ESL or something like like whoever like like maybe like laying back on that rule a bit, especially with like the state, the CS in general, and like the NA scene especially is in where it could like use that help, you know, with academy teams and stuff. But like you know, I'm sure. There's not really a point for like Liquid doing an academy team if they can't play like you know at the same events. I mean and that, or you or you set like a pretty short duration on the contracts for the academy team, like you sponsor them for six months or a year rather than a longer term contract, and you try and get like a buyout from another organization after helping them. For example, like you could sponsor Bad News Bears in MD or in Premier right now for a year. That would help them immensely in terms of giving them like some sort of base, and you can sell them. Like you think you can't sell Johnji to a big org in a in a year like if they're looking for someone who's aggressive and an entry fragger like Johnji's stocks are fucking really yeah. high right now man yeah so like there's players that you can get that would genuinely like get you good money in terms of a buyout it just as like an academy roster you wouldn't even have to pay them much trust me like even swisher was on here last time he told us how much like they'd been asking for which is not much at all yeah so right. i just feel like Especially now with Cloud9 playing in Europe, you have like a really good chance to build some sort of an academy roster. You don't even have to name them Cloud9. You can use like, I don't know, you can use your Overwatch League branding if you really want, or like some other branding if you Sky... really want. What is there? Was it called Sky something or Skyfire? Spitfire. Spitfire. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can use like whatever branding you want, man. But just like if you have that sort of money and you're willing to be able to like develop some talent, now's the time to do it, really. There you go. If if uh if they go for it, I'll I'll uh I'll I'll give them this for free. Just call it C9 Project. So it looks like the P is the nine in C9. <laughs> That's some free branding for you guys. Don't don't uh, don't be afraid to credit for me when you guys do it, but I don't I don't need any payment. Just 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 know I I came up with that one. Uh I, I guess we could talk about uh a little bit more about the performances of C9. So you guys yeah didn't make it out of the group you went two and three i think the biggest and most impressive victory was the furia one i mean you, you actually just smashed them you gave them seven rounds in a whole series i mean 32 to 7 is you made them look like chumps actually so yeah. good on you guys for that one i but, just don't think yeah. like i don't think any players like true level or like like i don't think this team really ever even like got off the ground running like i don't think this team ever got past like step one uh, in terms of like yeah. building confidence and like becoming like an actual team i feel like it didn't really it didn't really have the chance or really stand the chance like people will be like oh alex is such a overrated igl and like no definitely not like i still think he's one of the best igls in the world but it's hard to fucking call a good game every time when everyone's so stressed out like that's literally impossible or like s attack's performance like obviously the pressure was super high on him and i think he was forcing himself to like try to be like you know a, you know like the star player on the team because of his contract and stuff when I think, you know, he's probably better being just like a super fucking overpowered like role player type guy. Actually, and he obviously... on, on that note, do you think the fact that Henry G released like the salaries added to that pressure? Like, do you think that was uh, pressure based on Esetag knowing his salary? Or do you think it was pressure based on everyone else knowing Esetag's salary? 
Um, I think kind of like everyone else and just kind of like a new step for us to tag. Like, I just think, I don't think that the salaries alone is like that big of an issue. But when you combine the salaries with like the hype itself and like the history of Cloud9 and like, you know, everything, like it definitely like makes the issue a lot worse. But like, I feel like if the expectations were like tampered a bit and like, you know, it was like, yeah, like it's a brand new team. It's a brand new five. It's going to need time to, you know, build itself up and stuff. And then you were still like releasing the salaries. I don't think it would have been uh, as big of a deal. Yeah, because I, I think I, people would have, you know, recognized and said that, like, yeah, most likely other teams have like much larger salaries for some other players. Yeah, yeah, I feel like if it were all public, that would not be really an issue. I think that's something mm-hmm. that fans might have attached themselves to. I know that um, it's it's not for a lot of people perform that are you know their whole job is to perform in the public eye. That it's just one facet for fans to maybe latch onto here or there, but. And and for it to be used against them as ammunition, I was talking to Semler about this, and it was kind of like, I think it felt like this was overall a good step in the right direction. But what what we came to the conclusion of, uh, myself and Semler, I think, was more along the lines that Henry would hype you guys up in a way that just felt like you were almost setting yourself up for failure. Like, it's kind of like you're, you're putting such lofty expectations on the roster um and then maybe he maybe he's kind of being a martyr maybe he's kind of being a tar he's being the target or trying to be the target uh, the lightning rod of the the anti-cloud nine hate but it, at the same time it's never going to be like that it's going to be always yeah. targeted at the players it's always going to be like at like even me like i still shit, i still shit. personally attach myself like with cloud nine and our results and like you know when i go yeah. on twitter i go on reddit and i see everyone just shitting on the team like i still take it personally you know like mm-hmm. i still i'm not just like oh well that's that's henry's problem you know it's like <laughs> Right, it still exactly. fucking sucks. Like it's it sucks to it sucks to look at. Yeah, I mean, you and- touched on it, and I think it is one thing that like the general fans just don't understand is that the lack of being able to be at a boot camp or be able to actually be around the players in person is a huge factor. Yeah. Like the the fact is that you're talking about the stress that the players are showing and being together online, like you're still gonna be stressed, but you're also gonna have the people around you being like, yo, nice try, like fist bump shit, whatever, like it's, it's the entire mentality just shifts when you're around each other rather than just calming on a team speak with each other. And it's like you're not going to build a real team dynamic just based like, on online play at that it, level. Yeah, I think on the Stratbook episode with Kassad recently, I think it was either Kassad or Thorin talked about how that uh, crazy team, the one with Hunter and Nexa, I think, I think it was them. Their coach implemented something where it was like the, he'll, he'll take down Mark's Basically, uh, if in person they do bad body language or say things poorly, yeah. but he'll give them positives if they fist bump each other. So they just started all fist bumping each yeah. other all the time, and it just became like ingrained. Oh, in them it that, was one of the German teams with Nexa or something, I think. Okay, then yeah, well, yeah, either, either way, it was some some team that did that, and I I, get, I feel like overall it improved their morale to the point where, I mean it. Morale matters a lot. I, I kind of have been flip-flopping on my ideas of how much morale matters, but after playing a season of Premier again, I remember that morale fucking matters. Like you need to have decent spirits, or you are gonna just dig yourselves yourselves in holes that if you're already down in rounds, the worst thing you can do after that is have uh, emotion. Yeah, I mean, we, you can make yeah. your plans and you can have your strats and you can talk about how you want to play the game and stuff. But like, if you're not comfortable and you're not confident, like it's just not gonna work. And like, if you're just playing stressed out and you're playing not to lose, like. It doesn't matter how, like what players you have like you're you're never gonna find success like i think it might have been different like if like henry got like his initial idea of like uh 
Hunter and Nico or whatever the fuck he wanted to get. And like, so he had like more of like a stacked lineup. Even then, it would have been like a lot of pressure. And I'm not sure it would have even worked out then. But like, especially when like he had to like kind of go from that to getting like uh, more young players, like having to pick up Floppy along with Mezzi and having then having to get like Zeppa with like the second iteration with the lineup. Like, yeah. Right. See, I feel like it really sucks for Floppy and Zeppa because they are really good talents, but they just weren't the right pieces for this roster. Like, Floppy maybe, but Zeppa, like, I feel like he did deserve the chance. But the fact is that, like, without being able to properly develop on a team is just, like, it's not going to build properly, right? So adding those pieces to a roster, especially when you're losing an opera and you're adding a rifler, then you're making, like, two players change roles into an opera. It's just going to be really yeah. weird. Like, regardless of how good you think you can be on the op, it's just, like, the whole shift that you have to do in that team is just getting a little bit ridiculous. Isn't that just so. an issue with building a team from the ground up instead of having, like, a set core that you add to? Like, roles yeah, for that's me the thing. felt, like, that, like, so I don't hard think... for the team at all. Yep. Yeah, I think it's super hard and, like, incredibly unlikely to, like, build a new team from scratch with, like, five new players and, like... The odds of like that team of like that core, like that team of five is gonna like instantly like have insane chemistry and like everyone's gonna like not just like love playing with each other, but also just like, you know, like naturally just, you know, play well off of each other. Like the odds that you have five people in like a five man lineup straight off the bat that's like capable of doing that is like so low. And like we saw with Waxic, like I think if you're building a lineup like that, first you need to take your time and you need to figure out like with that first five man lineup, you just need to figure out like what your core is, like what what pieces are working in the long term, what pieces don't really fit as well, you know. Also, yeah. like I've seen people comparing this to Complexity's Juggernaut just because of like the whole Juggernaut Colossus like in dynamic, but the fact is that the Colossus was something entirely different because not only was this team like built piece by piece, like one player at a time. Not that Cloud Nine wasn't, but the fact is like. These players all got to go to Complexity's bootcamp facilities yep. and actually like practice and play over an extended period of time together in Dallas before going to Europe as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they the, like the they literally spent like the last to do that. two to three months of 2019 literally just like bootcamping and scrimming exactly and, like, yeah mm -hmm. like playing together. And that's <clears> like <throat> that and that was at the start of their roster too. It wasn't like yeah. they played a bunch online and then they went to this bootcamp. Like mm -hmm. they did that right off the bat. And the amount of chemistry yeah. that allows you to build is like exponentially and even then, more valuable and even than then. anything else. And even then, like they literally remember like the first two like qualifiers they played where they lost to mm -hmm. our C9 ATK team and like the Dreamhack and the the IAM Katowice. Yeah, it took time for them to gel. It took time for them all yeah, to gel. That's just what you have to expect, which is another reason why, again, going back to the Henry G stuff, it was a little audacious of him to say, I'm going to build a team of five disparate parts, and then we're going to win the first tournament for a million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. It's like, it's like even though the first event doesn't work out, and I don't think people took like going out in Flashpoint yeah, or two yeah. like, that hard or anything, Like, yeah. it's just like the expectations were there, and then it's like it kind of moves on to the second event, and you're still like you're still struggling to get off the ground. And by the third event, you're still like struggling and you're thinking like, why are we still like playing bad? You know, like why, why haven't we like got off the ground and running it? And it's like, dude, like your third event as like a core five that's playing together for the first time. That's literally nothing. That's literally still so new. Like that's even like, 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 like five, like four or five months in, like you're still such a new team when you have like a court, yeah. like five players that just came together for the first time. Like that shit takes time. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, okay, so you what do you think if you guys somehow if you guys could have gotten a boot camp, uh, like let's say, let's say after Pro League finish, you got 
I don't know what your next event would have been. Maybe Blast Showdown or uh, something like that. I think it would have been the like the RMR and like Wait. May or something. It would have been a while because we failed to qualify for like Blast and stuff. Oh, you didn't get into Blast Showdown. Okay, well, uh, I mean, if you got that month and just got to practice, yeah. I I mean, that could that could have our just plan, completely our plan before the like everything got dropped. I think was to like take like a break, take a breather until like the twelfth, and then hopefully try to get something going and like either. Like we try to get like a North American boot camp going, like because you know that's where the team was supposed to be based out of. Just in general, like, trying to get something yeah. going like that, get everyone in person. I, I still look at it like this. I, I think like this: if Flashpoint Two had actually been a land, C Nine gets to playoffs so easily. Like they all, like Virtus Pro, fucking falls apart. I guarantee you, they would not be finding success the same degree on land. Like hundred percent guarantee. Nobody's wide swinging. Like listen, nobody's nobody's wide swinging and then going. Duh to Yanko on an ESL desk. Nobody's doing that on LAN. I'm just saying, okay, Yakinder? I'm just saying. Listen, oh man. my god. He's gonna Can't do it. Doubt the profit, Yakinder. Maybe he will, maybe he will, but that is like an unknown quantity. Whereas I think a lot, especially like Woxic, right, on his debut. If he's if that's LAN, I guarantee it's a completely different story. I will say Woxic yeah. would have been elevated for sure. Fuck yeah, yeah he would have, yeah. Yeah. Woxic would have played better. I still think will be like a top player on land just because I think he's also very vocal and seems very confident in himself. He, yeah, needs to, he would need to change some aspect of his play style though. Like it's just, yeah, yeah, just mechanically the game doesn't work to facilitate the stuff that he's doing right now on land. It doesn't, but I think Yakinder also understands that. Like he's one of the players sure, who yeah. actually works really hard. Like the amount of work he does individually just to like anti-strat teams on his own and make his own little individual plays, like that stuff does translate on land regardless of the like the wide swinging like yeah, yeah, style yeah. that you might have like he knows that he can't do some of those same moves on land so he like he'll be able to like, play into his own playbook when it when the time comes i think yeah. yeah there's support for some of his plays sometimes i mean like you think of like sometimes the katavitsa rounds he had against astralis though yeah. and like obviously and those liquid were just, like, as crazy well, yeah. one digs but but like a lot of his openers and rounds are supported by utility or Jame holding an angle that Yukinder needs to like uh, can't kit doesn't want to worry about or or another rifler buster behind him whatever it is like there's there's method to the madness for them I uh I guess we could talk about um maybe let's move off Cloud Nine let's talk about some other teams then I guess because we we have a lot of there are a lot to go through here so it, did anybody else catch your guys eye um other than other than the the cloud, not lost. I want to say EG really did not impress me in this group. That was a yikes! That like was whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Why do you think I that didn't? Is? I didn't expect them to come out swinging, honestly. But just like they looked really lackluster throughout most of their performances. Like they opened so strong against Astralis, and then Astralis went on to like demolish everybody else, and and EG just. Like, they lost the end point. Point. They lost the end point, exactly. <laughs> the end point. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't even catch that game because I was watching the other two, which I think was like Liquid VP and Astralis Fanatic or something. Oh, you just write that um, one off, surely. You're yeah, like, yeah exactly. I was that. like, surely. They were even up like, I don't know, I think the score was like 4-1 or something at the start. And I was like, oh, okay, they'll they'll close this out, no problem. I checked back and it's like 16-10 or something. I was uh, like, nice, okay, great. <laughs> so on the positive side Obo played decently well i was gonna say yes i was gonna say but that. i just think the the team looked really lost and i'm I'm wondering like where they go from here at this point uh, it is just like their first event so there's definitely like i think they can build off of it but 
it it wasn't promising i'll say that this is sort of no. tangential i will say i'll give them i'll give them like some uh Leeway. some benefit of the doubt and that okay. like yeah because like they did like just add obo and also i think they maybe came in a bit rusty because they weren't playing for a bit uh because you know ethan left and they were still like looking for a fifth and just in general in na there's not really much practice especially that liquid isn't really here often so there's tons of practice playing valorant like, not not much cs yeah. yeah you're right yeah so maybe it came in a bit rusty, but it like, yeah, definitely didn't look that great for first event. Um, but, you know, give them like a couple more events, see how they're, see how they're shaping out. Yeah, I just feel also, like, OK, go ahead. No, go for, it. Go, okay. for it, go for it. I just feel like this is probably Oboe's last chance. If if EG don't make an action, I know it sounds crazy because he's so young, but if EG don't make like a really strong finish, somebody will have to take a risk on Oboe instead of it being a brainless pickup. Like everybody, all of us were saying, why is Oboe not on a team? Get him on a top team, get him playing. If EG like bomb out of a bunch of tournaments and then disband or something in like six months time and they've got, got nothing and they've turned no heads and Oboe doesn't even look like a shining star on the on an otherwise rough looking roster, then like people start to think, well, is it because of a lack of commitment? Like, is it because like obviously the way that he left uh complexity was a little acrimonious in that respect even though that was kind of kept close to people's chests so even though it sounds like i'm talking nonsense when i say i think it might be one of his last chances in cs it does feel like there's not really that much room in na for him apparently because it took him so long that like, he was really weighing his options and if if this roster doesn't really change their tune like soon i feel like i i do worry he could end up in some purgatory and then just have to go to valorant i think I see that from two sides. I feel like, I feel like, yes, there isn't room on NA rosters for him, but I also feel like in terms of the EG players, Obo and Breezy stock won't drop. Okay. Like, I feel like if stock for any of these players is going to drop, it's going to be like Stanislaw or Cirque or Tarek. Sure. Like, it's going to be one of the three, like, I, well, aside from Breezy, like one of those three core players, just based on the fact that, like, Obo played well, I want to say. Like, he he wasn't... He wasn't like a hundred percent, but I don't think he was the issue in this game at all. I don't want to. He didn't lose them the game for a, them, right? Right, and I think if EG like make additional changes, it wouldn't be Obo going out at this point. Like, also like remember Obo's seventeen. Like this yeah, kid sure. has such a long future ahead of him if he plans to stick with this game. So I think like. In terms of the changes this team would make, he wouldn't be one of their... He, like, his stock will remain high in terms of, like, another team looking up to pick him up, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that... I, I think Obo is just, right now... I almost feel like people wouldn't actually even really be... Uh, like, the, it's very difficult to pin the blame on Oboe, because I think when people watch EG, the main complaints are kind of, like, the structure or lack thereof. I think more people kind of worry about the way Stan calls or uh, maybe Tarek plays individually, because, uh, like, it's always very free-flowing CS sometimes with Stan, where it's just kind of, like, like, the way right. I describe it is just kind of these pockets of aggression where it's like Stan's just going to trick you one round because he's going to, like, he's going to send three people out a ramp to get to Tetris, then he's just going to fall back or something like that. He'll do these, like, little, like, pushes that make the other team respond really heavily to it or try to, like, outline a, a way to counter it. But then he'll just, like, sometimes he'll go with it, sometimes he'll just back off of it. And... But then other rounds, it's just so default walk everywhere. Tarek, you look for info while... Stan looks for info and then they try to make a read, but it's like, then you just lost Stan and Tarek because, and no one traded them. Like there's, there's so many rounds like that too. And 
when Oboe and Breeze have their backs against the wall in a round that just got really fucky, it's just like uh, they, they usually do pretty well. Like Oboe had a couple of nice moments. Breeze, okay, Breeze is back though. Like that's something yeah. I gotta say. Bree- Breeze is like playing incredibly well right now. Mechanically speaking, his spray control is every like I think he had that, what that highlight where people were running out of apartments on him and he was playing the bike angle. Usually people will get one there, like yeah. literally just one kill. He got what four or something like yeah. I've never even really seen. I don't think I've ever seen that with a rifle. I don't think anybody's ever done that. Um, so that so he is um, anyone will pick up him. And I think Oboe, he had like he still has this knack for finding multi frags because his aim is just so fast. Like he's very he's so accurate and just playing around like one piece of cover. Uh, he's just really snappy and like can can extend his life sometimes or extend the amount of value he can get out of position. So I don't think I wouldn't hope people would blame that against him. Uh, but if things come out about his personality, I could see your angle Pernogo coming to mm. fruition. Yeah, it's it's not really a thing about blaming them either. It's just a matter of like Oboe specifically, the fact that people were already wondering what was going on when he uh, sort of dipsetted from complexity like out of nowhere. And, and that was out of nowhere for a lot of people. And the, the circumstances surrounding that, then him saying, oh, I'm actually fine to play in Europe. Forget about that departure I just made. And like, if you just think of yourself as just a reasonable person or, or, or a, a pundit or whatever on, on a desk or something, you can find a bunch of different reasons why a 17-year-old kid would be really desperate to get back home in the middle of a pandemic. But I don't know that that's the way that esports hirings work for players. I don't know if they consider all that stuff to the same degree as maybe this is just a risk that we don't want to take. That that seems more like what esports hirings look like, especially after listening to that Thorin video where he broke down all of the lack of hirings from Flashpoint teams and stuff. It feels like if there's any excuse that people can find to not hire a player especially one who would command a salary like i imagine oboe would then that excuse may very well be taken and it feels like he has to so heavily stand out on this team to have another shot and that's again assuming eg themselves don't just work as a team which remains to be seen i just feel like well i mean on on a tangent here, but like on that flashpoint team note, I just feel like that's just on the teams themselves. It's got little to do with like the players having some detracting factors. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It just sure. seems like none of these teams actually made an effort to do their research and look into like the right players that you would want to build around. Like, how did nobody think to pick that chaos lineup up when they were literally free to pick up all five of those players? By the way. Or like even individually kind of get Zeppa or Janji, like you guys would have been able to build off of those players very good pieces. It's just shocking to me on on that tangent. Like why why that's all on the teams in Flashpoint. I, I think the chaos thing mostly is if you're coming in as a as an investor, your your esports division pitches to you this team that oh we can get the fourth best team in North America and they say great and then they say can you explain to me how the CS:GO ecosystem works and then you have to tell them oh uh, how are we going to get a return on investment well there's the sticker money but we can't get sticker money because Steel the main head and leader of this team is banned and for a VC head it's a lot harder for them to be like you know what we don't care about the major like but Steel wasn't know- on that team at that point. I guess they got, yeah, they, yeah, they got, a, higher, right they got a higher yeah. ranking with Vanity than they did with Steel. Actually, yeah, I think I Chaos was just like a victim of the fact that the NA scene was like in a really bad state at the time. And even though I think they had good pieces and were a good team, um, like it's it still just it seemed like orgs just were hesitant to pick up a team that's just been like dominating the NA scene after like everyone went to Valorant and stuff. Right, but like 
why do you think the NA scene was in that state when you have a team like Envy paying Nifty a salary of like 18 grand a month sitting there playing seven events in a year? Like, come on, man. I don't think anybody is going to be able to explain what was going on at Envy. Other, no, I don't even think Hastro knows what the hell it was happening. Like, he even outed himself. Yeah, but even, like, even the thing is then is that like even teams like Envy have just like left altogether uh, yeah. rather than like, like I'm trying to think of it like an org that like went like a different direction at the time instead of like just picking up chaos but like all the other teams that like all they all just kind of like left you know like envy like left the scene for now uh, yeah yeah but these people are still them, paying but... for their flashpoint spot like that's what i don't understand yeah. personally and to note's point right it's like they literally invested millions of dollars to get a flashpoint spot admittedly less millions than like some of the other leagues out there right but still it's an investment and maybe it is a rounding error for some of these teams i don't know the internals but surely if you're gonna say i've invested one or two million dollars or whatever it is for the flashpoint spot then maybe i should invest like one hundred thousand to get chaos or whatever the money would look like right like that's a th- these people it's not going to be the same as two million dollars for the flashpoint spot to secure a team like chaos like surely it's like thorin said it's like it's almost like some of these teams thought that the two million dollar buy-in was just all that they would have to pay to get Mm. into counter-strike and they didn't even consider the salary the players like how how does that even happen i'm just still in shock yeah i'm not sure if the the analysts and consultants for some of these or like people are doing their their due diligence actually i feel like it's just like it goes as deep as just saying like like who the who the hell are their like investment banker types that are like trying to help them put these decisions together because i feel like the amount of research they're doing is really bad so it's I, just uh, yeah. it's hard to convince like orders and stuff to pick you up when you haven't had a chance like i think if chaos I think the thing that maybe killed them, like, I think if they had, like, gotten to go to, like, that global challenge and whatever other land they had, and, like, they were able to go there and, like, put up, like, a good result, I think would have, like, really increased their chances of getting an org to pick them up. But I think the fact that they were never able to, like, go to Europe to prove themselves against, like, you know, the region where everyone is at the moment, or they were never able to, like, you know, go to lands together and, like, you know, prove themselves at, like, you know, dream hacks or, like, you know, getting themselves to, like, a big event like ATK did, where, you know, we just went, we beat North and G2 and, like, that shit just like gives you so much momentum to like finding an orc to the point where you know C9 picked this up after that. So it's hard to it's hard to like convince those teams when especially in this the NA ecosystem was like all you had. I think they would have had a lot better chance if they would if they had been able to go to like global challenge and stuff. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, let's move off uh, complexity here. Uh, there's actually there's a couple teams here. I guess I was not. Okay, I'll say this. I was disappointed with Vitality. I don't know. I, I feel like nobody really particularly watched their games, but um, it to me, this team, I feel like they're right now in a very actually emotional state because I feel like they're just not... I don't know if they understand what their identity is or something because it's not it's not exactly like they're playing terribly, but like certain individuals are just not showing up. And I put together the stats for every team at Pro League and found... Uh, the standard deviation with their players' ratings at the and and Vitality had the highest standard deviation between all their players in terms of uh, personal rating, and I think that's kind of a symptom of the fact that this team is like having this weird. Is I don't know. Do you guys think this is like a transition period? Are Vitality just going to replace somebody? Like this is like this team felt like going into this event they would show everybody again that they are a top three elite team in the world, like with Astralis with Navi. But that they've definitely lost that title in my eyes. Uh, yeah. Do you guys think 
Yeah. So RPK had the worst rating of any player at this event, and it was like people kind of weren't high on him last year, but like honestly, I, th- I thought he did his role. A solid fine. anchor. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think this time around, I he had some pretty like like he had a pretty bad time. Uh, so do you guys think RPK would be? his removal would be an answer here or, and they pick up some other French player or uh, do they just have to work some things out? I just feel like this team has been in an identity crisis since apex was benched and then unbenched. Like this team has struggled since then. And I don't know whether it has anything to do with like Apex's emotional state or whether it has to do with like the team itself struggling to, to get back on the right footing. But like you're saying, like it's not just Apex struggling on the server, it's just the whole team in general. And to me, I don't know whether that indicates that like they have a leadership change that needs to happen, or whether it means that they have a player change that needs to happen. Because now they've done this whole six-man roster, like they've scrapped that idea basically, and they were one of the most like quote unquote promising teams that were doing it. So it really makes you wonder, like, to me that indicates that they're not looking to make a player change. Because if they were going to make a player change, they would have brought Navera in and swapped out a player, I think. And just, like, I feel like you can teach him the roles that you want to swap him into because he is one of the most promising players right now, at least in that scene. Like, otherwise, I can't think of a player off the top of my head that you would swap in for RPK. Yeah, it's kind of the line. problem with, with Navera going separate ways from Vitality for me is it must have been a personality conflict or something because it's not like he was bad in the server. It's, it doesn't. It seems like he must have been disrupting something else, and we know that like the I think French it was scene just is, like. Well, I think it was just like they had they couldn't do a six man roster anymore, so they had to get rid of someone because of the RMR rules and whatnot. There's yeah. still a ways off from that, and the idea that you go for Navera over Masuda to me doesn't really make sense. Like uh, unless you just think, think Masuda, Masuda is just, going to be more all rounded, like a well rounded player, yeah, and they Mas- don't they want to put Masuda Simon like back fits. on the off or something. I think Masuda fits much better as an individual. Actually, I think yeah. like Navera's actually. I mean, past three months for Navera, 0.93 rating, and he's opping. So that's that's off. That's yeah. actually just terrible. Like that's just that you can't have an opper with that kind of yeah, rating. I don't think that, Navera fit into Vitality super, like well enough to be like a full time player as like the full time fifth. I think they had to stick with Masuta in that case. The yeah. shocks think, then become the, the more obvious weak link. Assuming RPK goes back to what he was doing, just average numbers. Then what is the actual weak link then? If it's not Masuda, then shocks is the player who doesn't have to play Inferno as often or whatever, like some of these other maps, right? So right. that becomes a lot. There's just tons of question marks for me surrounding this team. And as note says, it's ever since that they started playing around with whether or not apex would be uh, playing or calling or whatever. Like, I don't know how th- there was only what, like three or four series that shocks was calling, but man, you're really like uh, letting the genie out of the bottle, so to speak, when you get him in the, I think, I think it was only one. I'm oh, sure okay. It might have only been one. Yeah, it was, it was pretty because, brief, but it's yeah. just, I think the time period was like a week yeah. and a half yeah, or so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they benched because they benched. Uh, they played like the first match of Blast or something, and then they benched Apex, and then they played the second match, which was the elimination match, and they just lost. Yeah, and that <laughs> yeah. was like that was that was essentially the only match Apex. Yeah, yeah, and from. then he came back for Katowice, right? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a weird one. Like, I don't understand why they're taking the calling duties away from Apex. We, we if we trust the system and we trust the word of the players and stuff, then Extaz isn't even calling, despite the fact that coaches have been able to for a while. And that means that it has to be laid all on the responsibility on the, all that responsibility presumably is being held up by Apex. So for me, it just seems weird to, to to pivot away from that in the first place. That feels like maybe desperation, emotions running high. Extaz says, you got to like, we got to cut this out. You got to 
like take some time off. And then it maybe it feels like they were too desperate to, to play without him. And again, this is all outside because we don't have any transparent information, but this is kind of what we have to speculate on is why did they cut him? Why did he come back or not cut him, but like, you know, bench him for a short amount of time. Why did he un- get unbenched immediately? Now, why are they doing the six man thing? They pass it off on the RMRs, but those are a ways off anyway. And they still could be, I guess they just want us to believe that they're training for that, the RMRs, uh, in which case, well, that's their next proving ground. But it do, it's almost like the Cloud9 thing to me where the way that Vitality have been structuring their team for a while now has made every single event a proving ground that if they don't prove themselves again, then they just, like, the pressure continues to mount almost, if you guys know what I mean. Because they were supposed to be top three. Like, that's the pedigree. They were supposed to be even in contention for top one in theory. But they've been far away from that for the last couple of months. So hypothetical for you guys, if they don't do well at this next RMR event, what do you think happens? They go international. Well, the problem with making any roster moves afterwards is that your points get destroyed, right? So I don't even know if they would want to. I think maybe they try to ride this lineup out, but I don't know how yeah. how much it'll be able to stick together, right? The French scene is notorious. For well, if you exploding. bomb out, then points won't matter much. Fair you enough. Have to be yeah. on, like, you have to be counting. You have to be counting on like winning some of the other events just to like get that yeah, into the hunt, right? Mm-hmm. So it depends. Yeah, I think it just depends on how they do in that first event, like. I think the first one's going to define like a lot like of the rest of the year. If it seems like they're like kind of like on a trail back up, they're doing they're doing well again, then they'll probably like stick with the lineup. I think if they were just like mm. to completely bomb out and just completely like just you know completely fluke it or you know just fuck it, just then probably they would try I, to make a change and get themselves back into contention. I weirdly think if any, I think for some reason I, I just have like RPK in the early uh, 2013 2014 era of CS:GO. He just took like a two year break, just yeah. just kind of cuz. And I think he what he worked at like a tire shop or something like a mechanic or something like yeah. that, like a, like a car car place or something. And and I feel like for some reason, he just strikes me as someone that can be like, you know what? I'm just not enjoying what I'm doing here right now. And I'll I'll step down for for a bit here, you know, so, something like that. So I feel like that's to answer your question. I feel like this is that's what I would expect. I think RPK would say, you know, I'm just going to take a seat for a bit. So have fun for now, guys. I'll come back when. My, I'm needed, you know, something like that. Yeah, in two more years, take another break. Yeah, but what, yeah. what our, I'm confused our dark, about... Our dark protector, our PK, <laughs> comes back when he's needed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What, what, uh, doesn't, what doesn't add up for me anyway, I guess the, the worst thing for them would be to have a middling result because then they have some RMR points that they don't want to sacrifice, but they didn't win, so, like, they're not going to be happy. And I just imagine if they're if they're not banging the next couple of tournaments, then yeah, this lineup is probably run its course. But it's weird because I don't. Again, going back to an earlier conversation point we session, I don't know who you replace anybody with. Like yeah. even if you want to say RPK is the obvious out or Shocks is the obvious, whoever whoever looks like the obvious out and whoever they think is the obvious out internally, if they're going to make a roster move, who mm. are you who are you bringing in for them? Right. Next time I mean, he thinks I... they go international, which I'm curious to hear about. Well, that's just what they said when Shocks joined. That like that's what their next move would be. Um, oh, but, oh, interesting. Oh, no. oh, yeah, yeah, they did. They like this would be the last full French version of it, or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. But yeah. obviously, that kind of changed because, like, you know, Alex suddenly leaving, having to get someone so soon. But I think like the next time they have like the time to like you know fully explore their options, that's probably what they would do. I think I don't know. I think if they were to make a change, I don't think it's like a change. It's like enough for it's like you just change out one player. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think you need to change out like a couple and you need to like kind of like change the entire dynamic around. This... I, I don't like I don't like moves like from like a team like Vitality, just like or like a team that's like 
kind of like been in this like zone that Vitality's been in, kind of just seems to me like an identity change a bit. You know, yeah, it would have been like if OG out, like, one player at a time. Yeah, yeah, like, that, yeah. I don't like yeah. that. It would have been like if right, OG here, only dropped MBK and then didn't drop S as well. Like you need more than just one player change at that here, point. Hear me out here. Okay. You remove Apex and you remove RPK. You bring in an in-game leader and you bring in John G to take up the entry frag rule. <laughs> right there. There you go. What I want to bring uh, into that job. <laughs> <laughs> Mix's face tells you all you need to know about these moves. I actually do, and Zywoo. Yeah, I do yeah. want uh, uh, an, an international lineup. I want them to p- switch to English just because in like two years, Zywoo can then join FaZe Clan or something. I just want to <laughs> see... It like most teams are moving towards international yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see Zywoo on an actual, like not, not necessarily limited to the French scene in case anything happens, any other opportunity that would be banging in the future. They could get Lucky, who's been doing really well on this double pony lineup. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, I'm just I'm just like glancing at their yeah. their stuff right now. And no, he's been actually, pretty good. He was in the EDC when I casted them. That that yeah, tournament so, I'm best known for. Remember, so yeah, that, your your shining work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's there's like I because I, I just went to HLTV and looked up who's the second best French team, and it is Double Pony, and they're ranked 40th in the world. So actually, they're not too far off from being uh, from breaching into that top 30, and then people will start looking at their players as potential replacements. So maybe you could just jump the sh- jump it jump the gun a little bit and uh, just grab him before he's a hotter commodity and before this Double Pony lineup gets signed. Which I'm, I mean, if they make top 30, they almost surely will. I feel because there's there's some French orgs out there. Listen, they they could just slot NBK in. It's, it's, it shares even a letter with RPK. I was actually similar. I was actually talking about this with uh, with Dinko, I think, and just like I think there's just uh, there's like bad blood though, right, between Shocks and NBK, I think. And uh, I, at least according to the interview between, with Richard Lewis, he was like, yeah, "Everything's fine. It's no worries." So could right. ha- could happen. Maybe maybe they like on good terms again, but I'm pretty sure there was bad blood when the initial split happened, at least. Okay, we've been talking about some teams that are making us unhappy. Let's let's go to let's go to who who in this tournament so far has looked promising or just flat out good for you guys. I think uh like no, no, what's a team you your favorite you're liking? You like to watch their matches. Dude, I love watching Liquid right now. Okay. Fallen sweet. is playing so well. Like I, I will say like Elige banged out in that Virtus Pro game, but this tournament, Fallen was on one, man. Like his stats and also just his overall impact in the server was like very noticeable to me, I think. Like, yeah, they definitely fucked up in the Astralis game in the sense like I actually think they should have won that game. Um obviously they had to come back from I think like 213 down on overpass or something, but this is like the classic liquid scenario where like they make it really close and then they fuck up like one of the most crucial rounds. I think it was yeah. like 14-13 or 14-14. They have a 4v3 post plant on B site, and Naf just peeks out of pit, loses like this crucial round. Mm -hmm. And I was like, come on, guys, you had it so close. Like, you played everything so cautious and perfect up until that moment, and then you lost like a crucial round. It went to overtime. And then you lost. It speaks a lot about Elise that, like, (laughs) note says, like, yeah, Elise has been playing good, but Fallen has been fucking banging. And Alicia's rating is like almost like 0.2 higher than Fallen still. Yeah. Because <laughs> Alicia's well, just average is like a 1.30 these days. Exactly. Well, like his statistical impact and his impact on the server is nuts. Like Alicia's uh, oh, yeah, for like, sure. ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. No, but I think yeah, I Fallen has like helped elevate the overall team level. Cause I think Fallen like not only brings in the the like intangible impact of in-game leading and like being on the server in terms of like the motivational impact, but he also just like 
he is setting players up constantly. Like he's holding flashes for you and like just everywhere, everywhere you go. Like half the clips that Elite just posted to Twitter with their team comms, Fallen's just like, I can flash this for you. I can flash this for you. Yep. And he's just like, yeah, flash. Fallen, and he Fallen goes and gets most, like three. Fallen had the most flash assists at this tournament yep. uh, per round. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's doing a great job at that. He's uh, even some players you would think are like the support dudes or something like that. Fallen is on top of it. And the fact that he has a good rating additionally, like individually, that's that, yeah, he's providing a lot for this team right now. So that's a that's a really good one right there. Um, I I that that game versus VP was like 1v1 Counter-Strike at its finest with Yukinder <laughs> versus Elige. That was yep. that was so fun to watch, actually, because I love I love watching both of those guys just pop off and just dominating everybody. It is so sweet. Um, do you guys think uh, Elige is a... I feel like this is a pretty easy answer. Do you guys think Elige is a, a top five rifler in the world? Like, yes, yes, surely, surely. Okay, how about how about this? How about how about top three rifler in the world? Yes. Like rifler? Yes. Yeah, just pure rifler. Yes. Just pure yes. rifler. Yes. Yeah, I think pure yeah. rifler. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How about do you think he is the best rifler in the world? That's where it gets hard, mm, right? That is hard question. Yeah. You know. How about top two? Top two? Okay, well, when, you, I, when you're saying like pure rifler, that eliminates some of the best players in the game, like simple on rifle, well, yeah, Nico on yeah, rifle, yeah. Zywo on rifle. Like suddenly, I think you've, you've changed, okay. you contorted the goalposts so much that, yeah, of course he's the best. Like there might not be that many pure riflers left at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm looking down the list of players and I feel like there isn't anybody who can really oust him from that. Like, yeah. I honestly, right now, in terms of just the, the level of players online, I think it would be between Yakinder and Elige. Yeah. yeah, in terms of pure and players, still, yeah, and I like if I have to make like a ranking, I'm probably still going to give it to Elise just because yeah, we haven't seen Yakindar play at like big events yet. Exactly. I think I think Elise plays late rounds better than Yakindar does, anyways. So Yakindar's like what the clock still has. Yakindar's like what is a late round? Well, it's a post plan. I'm so confused. There's no <laughs> yeah. one in front of the time at the top. What happened, yeah. guys? Is it yeah. over? Despite the amount of val the sheer value that Yakinder brings for VP in in his early round things, I and even mid round, I think he still play does a lot for them. I think like if I want, sometimes you will just be in a clutch. You know, sometimes you'll be in a two v two, and I think Elijah is just going to play that as absolutely well you can, and with having God to your aim. So like that's just everything yeah. you could want. So, uh, yeah, I think I I would say Elijah, like the three best pure. Riflers for me right now are probably Yakinder, Rops, and Elige, I guess. I mean, like, and Rops for me is actually kind of a distant third. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of sucks yeah, for Rops, though. It just reminds me of like the old Nico sports. Like, he's hard carrying the, the shit out of that team right now, man. Like, yeah. Like just the, waiting for his buyout, man. That's all. The yep. constant, like the consistency and the constant impact that like Yakindar and Elish have, because like they're both like pretty. Yakindar is obviously like more aggressive, but Elish is still pretty aggressive as well. Yeah, like, he is. Yes. And the fact that they consistently put up like these insane ratings, like this insane impacts, like I think they're just a level above every other rifler in the world. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like Mir Mir wishes he could do what Elish is. Like Mir takes a few. Too so many, I will say, yeah, risks. That's if he's coming back into form, and especially when he is in form, Breeze is like another, another yeah, for me there. Breeze, yeah, Breeze would be up there. I, 
in terms of like pure mechanics, I think Breeze is easily top five. But I think overall gameplay wise, I think I think Elise is a cut above him, yeah. which is which hurts to say because I, really, I mean, I think I, in terms I, of yeah. pure mechanics, Twist is also way up. Yeah, there. I was gonna say I was gonna say Twist. Like I want I want Twist to come back in the form so bad. Yeah. You can see our NA bias is definitely on display right now. Like, we're barely <laughs> All I care about is North America. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, here's up. the thing, though. Yeah, like, last right year when we were just online, like, purely online, Elysia was owning in North America. And people were like, okay, we have to see him play in Europe now because he's playing so. Like, his, his mm-hmm. stats were nuts over here. So to see him continue doing this in, in Europe is just like, that's, that's some nice uh, vind- vindication, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely been uh, validated at this point. Uh, he's just never see. done anything on land, that Elyse guy. I've never even heard of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> just wait for That's land, boys. Wait for land. <laughs> like, the thing about Elyse is that I literally, whenever I see him take just like a normal one-on-one gunfight, I never see him lose it. Like, I know. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't understand it, but he literally wins every I, single straight gunfight. Like, I think Elyse just like, his aim is super crisp but i also feel like when you say that that one-on-one thing it just seems like he he knows what the other person is doing like all the time for some reason like he's he's always just like because because there has been so many times at pro league when i was watching him when i was like oh god alicia's gonna get cut off right here nope you got the kill all right that's just like i think 80 percent of pros would have got caught by that whatever just happened like this dude was kind of like in a position where it felt like from alicia's perspective he shouldn't be there but alicia's just he it's like you know, when one person, when a lot of riflers check one angle, they go like hyper focus mode and then they kind of like half ass check the next one. Elyse, he yeah. checks like all three angles with like the utmost care and perfectly peaks all of them. And it's like, OK, you're like actually on another level in terms of visualizing your duels before you take them. So Elyse just has my utmost re- respect in the fact that he like has very tempered play. Like he knows when he has to fall off and when he can when he shouldn't take a fight as well, which is I think probably what makes him so good as well like you look at that uh deagle ace he got he gets he like owns four people at at fork and aram on vertigo <laughs> and then he's just like oh fuck this last guy i'll pick him up later and just goes away I i'm like i love you for that i think that's that's honestly I, like almost better than the first four kills he got the fact that he fell off after that i, I thought for that. sure if i were there i'm going for that last kill every and almost every other time. player is too that's the thing yes. like Almost every other player will go for that kill. Yes. But to go for the two, to make, to like, oh, wait, we have numbers. 2v1. Okay, I can fall back. I'll play off my teammate in the bomb site. Okay, now I'll get the ace. It's just like, holy, like, yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff does, uh, it, it wins you those rounds that like it felt like oh I got the highlight already. I'm I, like, I'll just keep going for more, but it's actually securing the round on top of it. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's genius right there. That's actually the, the complete package. Okay. Um, I I say I'll say this. I don't. I again. I feel like nobody probably watched this team or cares about them at this tournament. But I think that OG is actually going to be on the upward trajectory really soon. I feel like if they pick up, it it, it I guess it does rely on how Mihu's going to play for them. Uh, but Nico for me was this inject injection of firepower that I was like, holy crap! Like this is like putting. It just think of NBK versus Nico in terms of just pure mechanical mechanical ability, and it's just like it's not even close. I realized after watching these games, like the Dude, amount Nico of Nico has insane mechanics. Exactly, yeah. he's very he can play yes. a lot of like when I played with him on Rogue, um, 
he was playing like all like the god spots, like all the rotator spots and like part of the pack on, mm-hmm. on T side with MSL and stuff. And then like on heroic and like on OG, he just kind of like slotted into playing like a bunch of anchor spots and playing a bunch of lurk roles. Like, yeah. But he filled them. I I saw there was this run one round. I think he played against was it big or I forgot some some team on Inferno in his group. Um, basically he was in mini pit. And he killed, he aced them by getting one kill at Porch early in the round. And then he played mini pit and all four players from, I think it was big, were wrapping him. And he literally killed all four of them and they didn't even shoot one bullet. Like I have never, again, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that. Like four kills, none. And they were on guns. They had an op, they had three AKs, they were charging him. And he just like, just destroyed them. He, and I don't... he took one v ones against four players who were all facing him at the same time, yes, yeah, which was exactly. like so impressive. I don't understand. I don't know if that was like a miscommunication. Uh, like that, those are one of those ones where it's like, guys, we just needed to peek him at the same time. It's like, oh, they did. They peeked him all at the same time. <laughs> they just all died. It was just like, I've I don't know. I've never seen NBK do anything like. I think that. only the first fight was one that was isolated, where he was like holding the angle from mini pit straight to moto, where he got the first guy crossing, and then all three other people were on a screen at the exact same time for the rest uh, of the kills. Or the very first one, porch. Yeah, yeah. When they're when they're yeah. rapping at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you you might be right about that. I. Just I just the fact that they didn't even get a bullet off on him was just incredible. So I, I'm looking forward to them. I'm excited to see what they can do. And I feel like uh, that that's a team that I'm going to be looking out for in the future because I, I just want what for one Alexi B to succeed. I want Valde to succeed. Uh, they're both players that I'm actually fans of. And uh, I think Nico is a great, a great piece to round out their roster moving forward. Just based on everything that Thorne said about Issa's comms being so bad and interrupting Alexi B, I do feel like this team will be able to get like a good boost now that they have like that situation sorted out. As long as Mihu doesn't come in and is like a mini Issa, you know? But yeah. I don't think that'll be the case. He seems pretty solid. So yeah, from all right accounts, Mihu's like a pretty cerebral player unto him, himself, according to what people have said about his time during like envy and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a team that yeah, they've got they've got the training wheels off. They've you know, MBK won't be secondary calling anymore, so you do have to rely more on Alexi B and maybe some of these other brainiacs. I think Valde Valde will do good. Yeah, Valde, Valde will, will do, do perfectly fine in that role. I think, and then yeah, if you can just get Mihu to round everything out and not be Anissa, then you should be fine. <laughs> I think I actually think the roles on this team are very well fleshed out as well, so I think they will have good impact and given some more time with Mihu, obviously. Yeah, I uh, I think I don't know who's going to be like the. It doesn't matter. Actually, Alexi B is going to run in first all the time, so yep. that's fine. That takes care of their entry roles just the way you'd want them to. Also, uh, something that. I picked up on when I was watching them is that uh, Valde is playing higher impact CT spots. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know if anybody really watched OG, but like he's playing, he used to play like long a on dust two. And I think now he plays like the B from might be, might be B rotator now. And also on nuke, he was stuck at ramp every round and now he's playing mini and mini is generally where you put your like best comms basically if you have a rifler that just has god to your comms that's like your mini guy and and hopefully he can frag out also because you what does alexi b play on nuke uh i figured he would have been the outside guy he i think he kind of i think he was before their outside guy Uh, and maybe he's like the door guy now uh yeah actually i was i was more so paying attention to valde so i actually couldn't tell you i think he was kind of like it was nico behind hut or i mean not behind hut behind silo uh isa was ramp 
Uh, yeah, Valde was, was mini, the, so he yeah, I guess he would have to be. Like he was guy. like the door, like the door rotator guy. And yeah. then yeah, Mihu will probably play ramp should they go that direction because that's what he played for Envy. Uh-huh. And actually, he had like a really nice way of playing ramp where instead of like using his nades at all, like most of the time, he would just kind of like spot it, like you know, spot a little crack and save his his smoke and his molly at ramp, which we which we ended up stealing. We had, like we called it like Mihu nades or something. It's like a really good way to play ramp. Is it the thing where you kind of like face the ramp and you're like kind of showing your shoulder basically yeah. and you can see yeah. the sliver through the right side of your screen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started actually doing like that wave. too. Yeah. I started doing that a lot uh, when I played MDL matches. Yeah. It's just like until they like just kind of wall bang you with an op, you basically can get away with that every single round. So. Yeah. Because like who, who really rushes ramp these days? You know, like, seems like Alexi's playing mini, by the way. I'm just looking at their VOD. Oh, okay. Well, I guess they like interchanging it or whatever yeah. here and there but i saw alexi moving around a lot actually i saw him like doubling up sometimes at ramp i saw him outside he's a pretty mobile dude so uh all right what did but you guys think any... of astralis this tournament Ooh, astralis. i haven't watched them really i actually didn't mm-hmm. really watch them except for the eg loss really and those the liquid one i watched the liquid one. Oh wait no i lied i watched them against vp too damn it's because they're always the enemy of who i'm rooting for <laughs> so i like don't pay it i watch these games as, if i'm watching as a fan i watch it in the context of like okay what's eg doing oh that's cool that's really sick okay good for eg you know oh vp come on you just needed to get that one or liquid same thing but astralis are just like those yeah, okay, they do it's a lot the of classic, things. Really it's the right. classic phenomenon of like <laughs> Astralis has been so good for so long, you just root for any team that's against them, right? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I mean, three teams in this group I, I'm big fans of in Liquid, VP, and EG. So, yeah. And I like Fnatic when they. I, I don't actually, I don't like this Fnatic roster. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan <laughs> of this a quick at all. One. Like, yeah, I think I watched <laughs> one map from this new Fnatic roster. Yeah, it's just, so. I just, I watched them at CS Summit and I just was like, I don't. I guess they did okay there, but like it just felt like the roles were like if they don't win the round within fifty seconds, they just lost everything. So they they are I'm not too much of a fan of them anymore. I will say Device has been on one this tournament though. Mm-hmm. Like this group stage, he was going absolutely nuts. Like he, I think he said it after the Liquid game where he hit a flow state uh, towards the end of Dust Two. But I just feel like in most of their matches this tournament, he was in a flow state. <laughs> like he was making perfect decisions, like perfect timings, perfect reads. Like he was in the right spots all the time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the scary aspect of Astralis is that they already have a lot of the tactical system set up to some degree. So if they can play tactical like Astralis can play, like old Astralis, if you will, but they've got some star player that can pop off like simple does like that. That is the somehow combined forces to create CSGO Exodia where there's no, no coming back from that. You're just done. There's no, how do you defeat like a, it, it, the old idea of if you just replace d- device with simple, but still have him be Danish like, Oh, okay. Then you've gotten, there's nothing you can do nothing surely. So that, that's yeah. the scariest part about this Astralis lineup. If device can pop off, but they still have to kind of make up for Magisk. I guess he did okay at this tournament. I didn't really watch a lot of their games. He but. said his confidence was low, but he wasn't actually playing that badly in my from what I captured. Uh, like he still can be a beast uh, in pit. And okay, yeah, actually looking at his stats, one point one zero rating. Uh, yeah, so my eyes weren't deceiving me. I felt like he was doing fine, but then this narrative kind of came up that he was not playing like himself. So 
whatever. Um, well, the problem was that he, he... W- there were cases where he was expected to multi-frag and it, there were basically three rifle rounds across like, I think it was something like, it was some double digit amount of demos that were analyzed and only in three rifle rounds did he multi-frag and everything else he got one and died. So like that was okay. one of the, that was like the main point, the statistic in favor of the narrative, so to speak. He- He's still getting one, unlike RPK, who had a sure, tough yeah, time. Yeah. So I think um, he plays well. He just doesn't. He's lost the confidence since he had the IGL, basically. Okay, like that's so in his own head, probably. He started looking at the radar a little bit more. All right, he'll get he'll come <laughs> back soon, guys. Yeah, just <laughs> get the fun. eye tracking on, and then the sports psychologist. Do not look in the top left. Do not. Yeah. Breathe deeply. Uh, okay, let's 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 move on from pro league. Let's move on from pro league. Let's uh let's briefly touch upon this. So. Uh, I usually want to get a guest that, you know, worked on some event or was playing at one, whatever it is, you know, something relevant to what's happening now. And Pronogo, you actually casted at the Venn Invitational Spring. Uh, for people in NA, this was like basically our Blast Spring Showdown qualifier game. And so uh, I guess I guess tell us about, about that a little bit. What do you see? Any teams that impressed you in the NA space? So before we even sat down and cast the event, we had to kind of shadow box the bracket as to as far as who to prepare for because we didn't have too much notice before the event. So obviously we expected extra salt to make it to the winner's bracket. And then after that, it was triumph pain to decide the second position. And I will just say, even though I've just casted the event, the kind of guy I am, why the fuck is it best of ones to decide this? You guys are clowns. Please change it to best of threes. All right. Now that that, now that I've insulted my employer, I will now say the event was pretty good. Uh, the, the game that we cast, it was very high quality. We casted that opening best of three in the playoffs. And finally, because it was a best of three, we got to see some pretty good competition. The thing about triumph, triumph for me, which is obviously the roster that ended up losing 0-2. That doesn't tell you the whole story. Uh, That game was very close on the second map, which is not where Triumph were favored. They picked Dust 2 and Extra Salt. And Extra Mm -hmm. Salt absolutely destroyed them by winning every pistol or both pistols and then at that point like there's not really much of an opportunity if you can't defeat them in the rifle rounds the whole idea was triumph for kind of picking it as a gimmick coin flip and it just did not come up their way whatsoever now when they got on to vertigo Uh, That was the map that went all the rounds, and I fully expected Triumph to surprise and take us to a third map because I just figured Extra Salt thought that now this was their time to be in the bag. They actually got over the hard hurdle in the first map, and now they're going on to their own map picks. Everything should be fine. Uh, So yeah, it quite surprised me that that there was uh, that competitive from Triumph. I I almost kind of wish the the scores were reversed and they had actually been able to take Dust 2 and make that a more exciting map. Uh, But Vertigo ended up being as exciting as a Vertigo can be, I guess, besides not having overtime, but... Then again, <laughs> no, nobody wants to be on overtime on that map. Come on. Come on. W- w- when is that getting out of the pool? We can talk about that later, too. But yeah. <laughs> so there, there it is. Do first, please. Oh, yeah. yeah just, I think we should just replace them all at this point. Just get them. Just, let's no. just, just keep Can we just add keep train split and, and icebox? <laughs> no, you keep overpass and nuke, and I don't give a fuck about any of the others. So o- Overpass, nuke, and train No Inferno fans in here? Damn. I, I'm, a pretty, I'm a pretty big Inferno fan, but only in terms of I'd like... I'd be down... I'd be down to keep overpass, nuke, train, inferno. Okay. Yeah. Let's, like, yeah let's, let's like swap the rest. Drop the rest. Those yeah. are the goat, good, good, good four. I right agree. Now for me, those are the fantastic four. For the fantastic. Sure. Four. On the on the note of triumph, though, I think Sneaky is actually like he, he continues to impress me on this team. Like I think he's only had a month on this roster, but in general, like from talking to Shake Zula as well, is Sneaky he's playing cynic? really well. Yeah, Sneaky is cynic. Oh, okay. Um, I think he's playing really well, and also. From from talking to Shake, he's saying that Sha- now Shake Zula has brought up like so many players at this point. By the way, like he's played with Floppy early on, he's played with Grim, he's played with Junior now, 
He's saying from from talking to Sheikh, he says that Sinek could be like another prodigy level talent coming out of his team uh, as long as he keeps improving at the current rate he is. Now, obviously, like you can't extrapolate that to continuing to grow at this rate, but I think just given Sheikh yeah. Zula's influence on players, I think that he does have that potential. My worry is that Viz and Bewells have been a little bit lackluster in this team. Viz is an anchor, especially like Viz was. Pretty good, I would say. I'm surprised that his level's gone down this much. Um, and I think that's sometimes what costs them rounds, unfortunately. The, yeah, I the, think the problem with Triumph in this map here that that I saw was just that Cynic himself was actually getting destroyed on CT side, but he was almost destroying himself by just walking into enemy players. And it, mm-hmm. That was the case where like you look at that and it almost feels like he doesn't know how to play Inferno. Or, I mean, not Vertigo. It doesn't look like he, he knows, like, he has the set strategy. And so I don't know if maybe he was just picking the wrong angle on a map that's very punishing if you do that. Like, you can't really pug that one out as if you've never played it on a pro level, especially against a team that has the confidence to pick it themselves. Like, they're going to have the executes. They're going to look at the angles. Uh, and maybe they even expected that to some degree from Cynic. But, yeah, for me, that was the biggest issue. If Sheikh Zula doesn't drop, like, 30 frags or something crazy in that map, then they just don't... It's not even close to competitive because they got themselves out of so many 4v5s, and it was off the back of Cynic getting picked a lot, of, a lot in those rounds. Yeah, I have been... I, in the beginning, I think I was most impressed by Cynic, and then actually lately, I found uh, it feels like Cooper has like a really like tough burden on this team, like to make their CT sides uh, workable because like he has, I feel like he has to pick up a lot of slack sometimes for them. Uh, I think B Wills has been an okay anchor, but Viz Viz has been like like pretty underwhelming. But I I will say that I feel like he kind of has a lot of shit spots that he hasn't he really fleshed out like i feel like he needs to take like it, it kind of sometimes is like he's on that lurk side of the map and his the way he's been taught how to play that side has been like um and this is viz i'll just like say like i feel like you need to just like look at those spots and how like the best pros play them and try to take a couple more risks here and there i think because right now i think you're seeing it in this binary of like if i die i lose if i get killed because they push good like it's just like it's more like Sometimes like you'll see pros on those those like four ones. The one guy will actually kind of like jiggle something out and be like, wait a second, I'm getting more info. I'm getting more uh, space. So it's like, oh, wait, I actually found a timing because they were trying to walk peek into me like things like that. The thing is, is that especially in online CS, you can't play a CT side where you're just like static and you're just not doing anything. You have to swing and you have to like take the fights to them. You can't just let them like like swing on you every time because you're just going to lose like especially online like you need to be like initiating the fights a lot more uh, yeah CT sides than you would on land yeah so i, I kind of want him to like just take a few more risks and even if it's like just just if i want the rest of triumph to buy into it too i think viz is like able-bodied enough that he can take like a two risks per half or something like that sure. and and they'll be fine with it like you know if he goes 50 50 on those maybe like one of them will just win you around because he just get now has so much info on the weak side of the map for the cts and if he loses one then well maybe the strat was going to go away from him anyway so it didn't matter what he did so uh that's how i would see it uh okay so we're we are on a time constraint here so let's just move on to the patreon questions here so we've got a few thank you guys for sending these in be sure we have a few people that aren't sending them in and if you guys are supporting the podcast why not send them in you know just get your get your questions out there so let's start with the first one here do you have uh do you have these up uh pranogo or should i just read them out yeah you can read them out i got them in front of me 
Okay, so the first question comes from Fursock, and he's asked, would you rather have the current Liquid lineup as it is or be in, an in a hypothetical universe where instead of Fallen and Grimm, Liquid have Elige, Naf, Stewie, Kerrigan, and either Junior or OC? Mm, I mean, I, I kind of want to see the second one just because I could have OC on it. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's, that's like kind of like my personal bias reason. But I, I really like the lineup that like what is trying to to roll with now. I really like the the fallen experiment. Uh, you know, it's something something someone that I know Lee just like always wanted to play with. I'm sure. So I really like the current liquid lineup and kind of seeing how it, how it keeps going. But I, I definitely think the second one would be so interesting, like Kerrigan, because Kerrigan's like the perfect IGL for like a. Yeah, that's oh, what does no, this I, hypothetical for I, me. I, Kerrigan yeah. coming into Liquid instead of Fallen would probably be just like, yes, yes, please. Yeah, but obviously the, the, the issue is one. there's no AWP, right? So you would have to make another cut, which is where Junior presumably comes in. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, I would honestly say the second one, maybe it's just like a grass is greener type of thing. I really want to see, like, yeah. OC on a team of Kerrigan also all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, it'd, be, it'd be funny, but, um, yeah, that's Dude. just, like, my personal opinion. If they get Kerrigan, I mean, they'll finally be able to beat Astralis. Is how I see it. Like yeah. that's that's the missing piece. <laughs> I mean, to, this to be puzzle. fair, to be fair, Fallen's also someone that's always like been one of the people that had Astralis's number. Maybe yeah, back in like 2016, 17. No, but I'm saying no. Even like 2018. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Even even the 2018 okay. lineup was still beating Astralis. Like, the only team that was like the only team that was like consistently having good matches and at times beating Astralis was that MIBR lineup. Uh, with also, that is, like that is true, one of yeah. the few teams that could consistently beat Phase with Kerrigan. So I mean, hey, like we're coming up on the Phase era, perhaps where Kerrigan and Twist are gonna start, you know, combining to bang everybody out. So <laughs> <laughs> we need the Fallen counter. You know what I mean? Fallen and Kerrigan are two IGLs that I think really have seem to have a Shalsis number a lot of the time. Stan as well. Stan, was it Stan or was it just EG as a whole? Dude, no, Stan. Stan has had their number since E League season. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember that train game so vividly because I took so much out of it. That's uh, that's how I like to play my trains. Oh yeah, uh, I I, I want to say I like the the second lineup. I still think the first is like I, I'm a fan of this current yeah, current yeah, sure. lineup. Yeah. Too big of a fan. In this, like, in, the question is just like, would you rather have it? Okay, yes, I would rather have the second. But like, am I upset? Would I it's actually like, make the replacements at the moment to do that? If I could, like, probably not. No, yeah, you have to have no, some serious yeah. balls to just say, "Hey, I know you yeah. guys are there. You're banging out. Everything is going well. Let's just change everything for no reason." That's yeah. only something if, like, I could go back like five, like six months, and somehow alter the timeline so yeah. that it happened like naturally or something. Maybe. Okay. You next, just next have to get the the uh, CS:GO scriptwriter job next. Yeah. Next time you <laughs> Okay, ne next Patreon question here. We got Patrick Roland saying, hey, with PUBG's international, and I think international should be kind of be like in air quotes, maybe just like their big tournament, yeah. having a $6 million prize pool due to crowdfunding and claiming the spot of highest FPS prize pool. How many years do you guys think it'll take for Valve to finally follow suit? Uh, I don't know if they... Well, I think they might keep upping the prize pool number because what the next major is supposed to have a two million dollar prize pool. That's just because uh, it was combining two majors. I'm actually surprised they didn't yeah. make it three because now it's been like two majors. Time has gone, and before we get the third, so well, yeah. it's secondly the fourth major. So because there would have yeah. been another one at the start of this year on like and, a normal schedule. And Valve subs <laughs> Valve now is substitute for uh you know 
community just communication and back and forth is just throwing more money at them. They are they are the the rich parents that just like leave the expensive like steak on the di- on the table and it's like, hey, heat this up. I'm not going to be home tonight or whatever. It's just like that's like what they do for TI every year. Just not making- even a fresh made steak like microwave. It. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> there's no love. There's no love there. I'll tell you that. No, we got delivery from uh, the steakhouse or whatever. You're like here, have enjoy. It's just like. So I think they might up the ante in terms of money, but I don't know. I already feel like if they would have ever done crowdfunding for CSGO prize pools, they would have done it by now. Just my opinion, though. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the route they want to take. Right. Oh, there's some just feel like, like bizarre justification, too, where Valve was like, well, we don't want to do things that work in Dota to CSGO. We want to do things differently at CSGO. I, like, it's just such a, like a cop out to me. I'm pretty well, like... Is, it, is that like... It works in Dota, but it also does. Like, it is a fact that Dota, like, they had to make like an entire new system for Dota because like sure, none yeah. of the other events like fucking mattered at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I but follow the thing Dota is, they don't even have to do that in yeah. CS. Like, they've done yeah. something like that in CS already with the old like Pick'em fantasy system that they had. Like, bring that in, make people pay. I don't know, like ten dollars, and just have that as like your your major like Pick'em. Like in Dota, I think during the international, you can like pick where certain things will happen like who will win like this tower or whatever at what time you yeah can pick yeah. like who will win this pistol round blah, blah blah like you can there's so much you can add to it without actually like needing oh, to do too much if they added a compendium i would be yeah. all over that i would make so much content surrounding it just like my picks why i think these things like i'll pull up stats and things like yeah that would be super sick but i think i like what they're just kind of like okay with divvying the money between the players based off of stickers or whoever puts more money on certain things but they don't add it to the prize pool per se and mm-hmm. i actually i'm actually a fan of that route because of what mix was saying like i follow dota i used to follow dota much closer like for ti three through seven or so but lately it does feel like to me like all i really care about is the international like yeah i'm not i'm not as involved like because i'm way more into cs now uh like and I don't want CS to ever become like that. I like Katowice being an important tournament, even yeah. if it's not a major, you know, like I, it feels great. So um, let's just play that, like, an event that's like not even a major like Cologne is like so important to win to like for like every player. Yeah. Yeah. People just it. it, it yeah, there's a steam in the events themselves as opposed to just the valve sanctioned ones, which is great. Um, OK, next next question by Jiggly Puffing here. I've seen many people say Riot are better game devs because they are involved. In an ideal world, what should Valve be doing to establish confidence? Well, we just talked about it. Just make it a crowdfunded price price money. You know, no, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, yeah, there is a, there is no way you can be confident if you're a, like simultaneously cynical and learned in the space of game development as as has trended historically with esports it is impossible to be confident in a game developer they invariably fuck everything up every time riot has run league of legends into the ground in terms of game balance and the same is going to happen to valorant mark my words you go you check this podcast a year from now you ask yourself if valorant is as fun to play or if you can even play it without installing a fucking root kit to your pc dude like these guys have no idea what they're doing riot have no I mean, idea what doing ever. i don't think it's necessarily a case of being like that super hands-on like that involved but like i feel like valve could like pump a little bit more of the money they make from cs back into the esport yeah valve could do a lot of stuff but it, you can't rely on them to certainly like a, a basically you can't rely on a developer to make quality content that's not what developers do they just make microtransactions and make you buy them 
which is Valve's fucking think, MO right now. So I just think one of the few things Valve could do is revamp their like internal matchmaking system. Like there's no need for it to be as outdated as it as it is currently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Player experience no stuff absolutely should be yeah. raised up. Yeah. No, like, I, agree I think one that. of the things with Valorant is that you see a lot of these players talking about playing the ranked mode that's in the game already. And I think one of the benefits is obviously like you do have essentially a rootkit anti-cheat on your PC that is like ESEA already. It's a skeleton though. It doesn't work, guys. We haven't filled it in yet. (laughs) We don't know what we're doing. Um, So like you do have that. So it does allow you to have like a better matchmaking system in that sense. But also like you have a proper ranked structure. Like look at how screwed the ranks are right now in Counter Strike. No one's playing. Like no top players are playing mm right now Never. i just played yesterday so i don't know what you're talking i just got global yesterday again <laughs> all right sorry the, top the player t- mali snake <laughs> uh Elige, yakinder mali snake top three rifles <laughs> <in the world. laughs> yeah of course no i agree i agree with that i agree with all of that i think i think also uh people kind of, people might say right now that sure like riot are being good at communicating but valve was really good at communicating for the first couple years of csgo because they knew the game was bad and they wanted to make it better and then they peeled off after because it's like like okay i will say this i'm not going to give valve a break because they do mess up and they do uh like but i will say like there's not a lot that i there's not a lot i really want them to do i think the game is in such a good state in terms of balance for example like okay i would want new maps there's like a there's a handful of complaints you know want new maps change the deagle a little bit uh maybe change that shit where it smokes and the way they dissipate yeah. seeing out of them versus in of them like there's little things like in terms of mechanics i would i would want to see you know altered but with riot they have to do this if they don't do this like people are gonna be like what the fuck are you guys doing with this shit or whatever and even if they had the same changes the fact that they just explain some of the changes makes it seem like they have some train of thought that you know they 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 say they have like a train of thought but then i'm trying to think of like specific examples but then it's like you know some guns just become completely unusable or like they don't even really affect anything or like you know, like they're they patch agents and so like they like there's some of their balance changes aren't perfect, but they just explain them. And I think people take that as a substitute for actually a good change. So I don't know if it's always like the perfect one, but just because people are being talked to, they're being told that something's good. So they believe it's good, whether it is or isn't. Isn't that something that happened with valve in the early days as well, where they would actually publish some degree of a reasoning, a developer note as to why something was changed. And then that got them turned into like a laughing stock because everything they said was just provably false at the high level. So they just didn't understand their own game, which is another reason why you can't trust them to make balancing decisions. Right. And that's like, when I say you can't trust a dev, that doesn't mean that the dev should have no responsibility or whatever. They should just appoint people who actually do understand it at a high level for my money that's what like as a developer myself that's what i'm going to do if i somehow don't understand my own game to that degree so that's what valve should do and if they did that then they would get the right feedback they would know deagle's overpowered in the body they would know like smokes are fucked up right now i'm assuming they know all this stuff because they look at reddit and they respond to fucking like neymar jr on on twitter so like they've got to be doing (laughs) something they don't seem to be doing much that we want they just followed like most casters and things like that and yeah. analysts, but then they didn't follow me. I was oh, like, okay, shit. all right, guys. That's Should we fun. take a bet? Who's going to get the follow from CSGO first out of all four of us? I, okay. What are the odds here? Is it just one, one to one? Cause I'll just bet on myself. I think, I think I will get it. We all, I have, think to, I'll get we that all have to bet on ourselves and then whoever, <laughs> whoever wins. Whoever gets the gets it first gets to like retweet the I don't know. Listen, man, the last bet that happened in the podcast did not go favorably for the person making it. So 
That is, is, that still, is true. Uh, we still don't have those VP jerseys from Scrawny, motherfucker. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Where's my jersey? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there you go. I okay. don't know if that's an answer to the question, by the way. I have no idea. <laughs> um, should be well. Fun. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. Actually, we will try to answer it. In an ideal world, what should Valve be doing to establish oh, confidence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I hire Sean Gares two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> actually probably the best response you can have to that question um, yeah uh okay um because we're limited on time i think we're just gonna jump right into the question of the week here so this uh this question here is something that i've been very back and forth on it's something that i think we really did touch upon earlier especially about cloud nine but the question is how important is team morale and just overall mentality for playing tier one Counter-Strike? Uh, yeah, like to me, it's like, it's literally like, I think like, obviously you're going to need like good team play. You're going to need good individuals. You're going to need all this shit. But like none of that shit is going to ever work if you don't have at least decent morale and decent mentality. But, like having like a good morale, like a good way to like build up confidence and like, you know, just something to build around in terms of like, you know, mentality, like, that's like the bare minimum, I think, for getting a good team running on the ground. Because like, if you have that and you have like the team morale is good, even if your strats are fucking terrible, like most likely you guys are running those like strats together and like you're just playing this like dumb brand of CS together, and you're still gonna have like some decent results most likely because you know it's Counter Strike, and at the end of the day, it's a very you know aim is like a very important part of of Counter Strike. I think it's like seventy five percent of the game. So if you're confident in your aim, you're confident in that, then you're still gonna be able to get some results. But like. If you have like the best strats in the world, you have like sick individuals, but like the team morale is like in the dumps, or like you know the the team just isn't meshing at all, like it's you're just not going to find results. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's pretty evident with pretty, like you can even take a recent example, like Astralis were playing incredibly well. Team morale went down clearly, like in the last couple of months, their results went down, and now they're back. Like. You can tell that stuff is changing in that camp. Like once they started boot camping again, like this whole EPL group was them boot camping. Like you can easily tell that their morale is back and they're playing well together. So it's pretty evident, I think, and I think you pretty much nailed it there in the sense that like you can have as good structure as you want, but it's always gonna be hamstrung by your overall team morale. Protogo, any thoughts? I got to say, regarding team morale specifically, it does feel like something that's hit a new low for a lot of teams in the online era. And I'm not really yeah. sure what strategies you have to put into place because it feels like it's one of those things that a lot of the veteran players don't even want to spend time on. It, this is, again, just my speculation from what I've seen from like interviews and just following them on social media and stuff. But it, it feels like like they know they can do it on LAN. And so spending a lot of time relearning and maybe even doing stuff that's incompatible with LAN, but will work for the short-term online period feels like maybe not pointless, but like a counterproductive for their overall career. And it's, I think yeah. another aspect of this is that we've never really put an end date on the lockdowns on when LANs come back. Like we don't really know. We don't even know technically if the major is going to happen. We certainly hope it will, but like we can't even necessarily guarantee that. So we're, we're counting on that. We're banking on that. But if it doesn't happen, then I, I think that will even be a bigger morale loss for tier one teams as well, because they're hoping to come out into form, into LANs, even before the major goes live uh, so that they can prep for that new environment. And then 
I think maybe the teams that only ever played online stuff, like Gambit Youngsters, for example, didn't play a lot of lands as that team. Like, there's a ton of teams that didn't play a lot of lands that they've only really known online CS, so that that hasn't hit their morale in the same way, where they haven't really felt that much of a difference. I think that's probably a main major factor, and I think you can't. You, I don't know to what extent it's affecting the performances, but I definitely think it's negatively impacting the team cohesion, and that will naturally lead to explosions down the line. I think if left unchecked, seems like. Seems like Gambit will have an inherent advantage in terms yeah. of team morale and mentality because they haven't experienced like going from land to land to land, playing these majors, playing these big events, playing in front of like these crowds, like in this environment, like and like we've, I mean, the, the before COVID, we spent the last like two to three years phasing out online games as much as we could because everyone said that online is shit. You know, online games yeah. mean nothing. And then so now we're coming back into an environment. Well, because guess what, everything's online, and it's like, but you still have that mentality in your head where like one. Like, whoever wins these events, like, let's be honest, like, people are going to look back. No one's going to really care that much. You know, like, yep. they'll, they'll notice that you succeed in the online era. But, like, in terms of, like, the credit you're going to get for that, especially if you don't transform it into land performances, people just aren't really going to care, you know? Like, and so I think that really affects morale and mentality a lot when it feels like every game you play, there's so much, there's so many more consequences for losing than there are, like, positives for winning. Yeah. I think one cool, like kind of cool thing about the online area is that a lot of teams that had problems, uh, I think a lot of those like problems on the teams were exacerbated by the fact that it was online. And then they just decide like, you know, might as well make the changes now. Why not now? I mean, like it's better now than later. So like, for example, Liquid, you know, change out Grim. Uh, they put change into or, you know, fallen the fallen in Grim additions which are now giving them a new look that when they do go back to land, I feel like this team is just in reinvigorated. Whereas mm -hmm. another roster like, you know, like Astralis, um, they've been kind of having a slightly bump, a little bit bumpier road, I would say. I mean, they had some, they've had some success. They've won a few tournaments here and there, but if they don't win pro league, for example, and then let's say in a month, month or two's time, we go back to land, they're going to like, some of those losses are going to be hanging over their heads as they move back into uh, the land environment. Whereas a team like liquid, they were like, all right, guys, let's take the training wheels off. Now we're on land for the first time as five, let's get amped up for it. And they can reach a level that they've never been at before, which is similar to like the gambit thing where that mix mentioned, where it's just like, they've never done land at all. So like liquid for me, have like the right blend of we've been using this time to practice and now this is the real deal. And yeah. we're actually ready because we've been in these situations before on major stages. I feel like the online era has almost put some of these teams that only played online on more even footing versus like yes. some of the top teams than it would have otherwise. Just because maybe if this online era had lasted six months, that wouldn't have been the case. But the fact that it's lasted like almost over a year at this point, when we go back, there's going to be ring rust on some of these top teams that have only played lands. Like, not playing lands for over a year is going to have an effect on them. So when you have these teams that have really only played like majority online tournaments and you get to land and you have these teams that used to only play land also coming back on land, they're going to be a little bit like a little bit better off, but not by a substantial amount like they would have been before. So like some of these teams like Gambit, I think people are overestimating the impact that going online is going to have on them. Um. I guess to bring the question back a little bit to what I was actually originally thinking about this is that the reason I came up with this one is for a couple of reasons. One is because uh, I played a recent season of Premiere and our morale was like really bad a lot of the time and we would be ahead so many times. Like I think we were up like 14 
probably like 14 to 12 or something against Triumph, and we could have closed out the series and beat Triumph 2-0. But we kind of like started focusing on past mistakes and things, and it was just like it just got went downhill. Then we end up losing the series 2-1. And also, I was listening to I don't know if you guys follow the Valorant scene, but Trippy, the coach of Phase, was on a podcast with I think his name's Kaplan. He's the coach of Ghost. And they were talking about this for like literally 30 plus minutes that the reason FaZe is so successful in Valorant right now is because they're all a group of friends that are just like always having fun. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, no wonder it doesn't look like you guys have strats sometimes because you're, you're just like just playing, you know, how to have fun or whatever. Like they have strats. They have they're not like they're not just going completely crazy all the time, but they do. But they do have one a aspect that like will change a lot is that like going to land does like affect your mentality and stuff, obviously. But like it also just in terms of like I think I think I'm not sure, but like Valorant on LAN could even like be more drastic of a difference than CS, just in terms of like how slow the player models seem to be and how like big the peaker advantage seems to oh, be. Oh yeah, uh-huh. actually. Like, Valorant, yeah. like that it, that is a huge thing that changes the entire dynamic of the game is like how how much more impactful just like wide swinging everything is online compared to land. It's so, yeah. so peaking so is going to suck. Actually. It's so much easier to hold angles on land. Yes, for sure. Okay. Well, that can be something that, you know what? We could just end it there. I think, uh, I think that's going to reach our time here. Uh, everybody. I mean, let's, let's start with uh Pronogo. What have you got to shout out? We got the shout outs portion now. Shout outs. Well, shout out to, uh, to you for having me on. Shout out to an unnamed North American player playing in a Brazilian lineup for allowing me to come on <laughs> as a guest. And He's an offer as well. Don't forget uh, yeah, that. Yeah, shout out to an unnamed <laughs> North American offer. Uh, and then shout out to a named North American offer. Oh, no, I won't steal Josh Mix's shout out. He always shouts out OC. And then I'll shout out... Uh, yeah, it's nice to see Extra Salt taking that. It, it'll be nice to see them in Europe finally. Hopefully we can put some of that stuff. I'm a bit of a European chauvinist when it comes to CS. So when it's it, it's nice to see some good strats out of a North American team. We'll finally put that whole debate to, to bed when they show up. And assuming they're Still actually South African to strats. Yeah, they yeah, are South is. African, though. Yeah. Well, there's some North American players on it. Come on, give me some credit. Well, I only true. cast them. They have three from three different countries. It's a very yeah. dynamic team. They're an international. I'm sure that roster. makes the situation getting to Europe super easy for them. As totally. Oh yeah, I'm sure they're great. Yeah. Two South Africans, a Mexican, an American, a Canadian. It'll be easy. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, no. What's your shout out? Uh, I have two shout outs. One is a uh, Phase Valorant. All of that team chemistry you're talking about. I'm sure that'll last very long after this uh, ESIC report comes out. <laughs> yep. No problem. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm, I'm oh. sure that's going to be a, a long-term team chemistry environment that's going to last. Yep. Uh, and second, I'll say, I'm assuming this is going out tomorrow, so shout out dust2.us. Uh, there it is. Hey, Mix, what's your shout out? God bless you, OC. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to I give a good shout out now, too. Uh, shout out to... Uh, just, just fuck it, dude. I've never even said this here, but follow follow my Twitter. <laughs> the lamest. Oh, yeah, shout yeah, out. I'm sure. I forgot, forgot, forgot. Nope. Shout out Topo Chico. Shout out Topo oh, Chico. Yeah. Oh, refreshing beverages. What does that taste. actually taste like? What is it? Yeah. It's it's uh it's like sparkling. It's like the best sparkling water in my opinion. Okay, I, I, I think so it comes in flavors. No, so so the thing is, so sparkling water is usually not that tasty, but this is like. You know how those memes earlier, I'd say in like last year, the people were talking about like, yo, McDonald's Sprite hit different. <laughs> Topo Chico literally <laughs> hits so different. It's like it's so carbonated that it's actually like it assaults your your tongue with how bubbly it is that it's actually like 
it almost feels like I'm drinking a, a beverage that is like Sprite. Like it's it's if I want to actually be healthy and not drink, you know, any like sodas, alcohol, whatever, I think Topo would be 100% my drink of choice. It's so it's it only has uh like fifth like a little bit of sodium just for like a little bit added bite, but it's just super super carbonated and it's it's way better than Perrier or uh, what are those shitty ones? Um I'm trying to think of like other sparkling water. It's obviously better than I the need, shit you get. I need to make a confession at the yeah. end of this pod. And now that I'm like the C9 scene is coming to an end. Oh, okay. My most, the drink that I drink the most like is White Monster. That is my favorite, <laughs> it's absolute favorite drink. That shit is the stuff from the gods. And that is, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say, Bull, Alex. Red Bull doesn't have a drink like that. If yeah. you if you want to drink something that isn't pop and you want it to be healthy, there is this delicious thing called water. You Dude, know, just like normal okay. water. Sometimes when you're drinking, when you're eating certain like, especially heavy foods, Dude, like if I'm yeah. if I'm eating like True. a burger, like I want something to cut the greasiness of the burger. So seltzer water is just way better than that. Like, okay, yes, I enjoy water. I drink like, so I drink probably like two liters of water every day also. But sometimes I just want... A beverage like beverages that have like characteristics are better with meals than water like almost always this segment brought to you by it's server time never getting a beverage sponsorship because we just screwed over every pop sponsor we could get. <laughs> <laughs> i like i like a lot of soda I will you say, act like but... if someone wanted to sponsor us we wouldn't instantly just like sell out like <laughs> oh and of course I mean, okay. if any drink wants to sponsor us, like I'll instantly change my opinions on my favorite <laughs> drinks just for you. There I'm a huge carbonated water fan, you know. Who says Chico I'm not doing that right now with Topo Chico? My okay. opinions and, can and be that's changed gonna be, anytime. That's gonna be, that's with gonna, money. <laughs> all right, all right. Goodbye. Peace. See y'all later. Follow everyone's Twitter. Bye bye. <laughs>